Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Afternoon, all. Oh, the energy is high in SENZ offices today. It is high. We have been hard at work because we want to bring you something pretty cool today. Our number eight and number seven in our greatest sporting moments of 2022. And they will come at you at approximately 20 past one and just after the news at three. Two very unforgettable moments, uh, sporting moments coming at you today. Interviews galore today. Connor Andrews, he's from Talk Sport in the UK, currently in Germany, uh, but he's previewing the semi-finals of the World Cup, and, uh, and I hope he's over England getting eliminated. I'll ask him about that as well. We are going to chat to Jamie Tao. He is from NZCIS. The FIFA facilities for the Women's World Cup have been decided, and Sweden will be staying at the facility down there. Uh, Silverstream, Upper Hutt, fantastic facility. And I want to quiz him. What were FIFA's demands? Um, because I did talk to him just before FIFA came through to do an inspection. And so a number of clubs and, and venues around New Zealand found out yesterday that they had been selected. So we'll talk to Jamie about Sweden and uh, what they're looking forward to with hosting them. We're going to catch up with Kate Heffernan the Silver Fern Fans Player of the Year. Now, if I was an elite athlete, that's probably the one I'd want to win, the fans' choice. And I'd have, and it, it's, it must be incredibly humbling. And Kate Heffernan, I've interviewed her a couple of times, doesn't know how good she is. She doesn't know how good she is. And I said, I, said, I remember saying to her, like, you've got the complete game, where can you improve? And she looked at me as if, like, are you joking? I can improve everywhere. Um, young woman and her twin sister won the um, Aspiring Fern Aspiring Fern Award as well. What a family. What a family. The Heffernans, their mum played for the Silver Ferns as well. Uh, Sharon Prutton, she's a 71-year-old, 13-time world champion. 13 times a world champion. Triathlon, road, road race cycling, time trial cycling, Xterra, that's that wilderness racing malarkey that they do on mountain bikes and trail running and swimming and all of that stuff. And she's 71. She only started competing when she was 40 or 50. What a story. 
We'll talk to her at, at about quarter past three. We'll go across the ditch with Jimmy Smith as well. Uh, last time this year, we'll talk to Jimmy at about quarter to four. Oh, there is so much. We've got a brand new vault as well. Brand new one. Congratulations to Matt from Blenheim picking up the 500. Um, brand new vault. Now, I've given the instruction not to make it too hard because this is our last week on here before this show in this format and the vault, etc. This is the last week. So it's not allowed to be too hard. That's that's one instruction. If no one gets it today, it'll go to Thursday. If no one gets it Thursday, it'll go to Friday and we'll keep going on Friday till it's one. So 100 today. If it doesn't get done, 150. The instruction is don't make it too hard, okay? So that's the vault. We also have today Draft Day Tuesday. Draft Day Tuesday will be just after 2 o'clock. Should we say what it is? Should we let, Yeah, we'll let you know what it is. We're doing a top five each of the best beaches in New Zealand. The best beaches in New Zealand. I pick one, Sam picks one, Captain K picks one, and then we put up our five. People can vote on it. Who's got the best team of beaches (laughs) I could play with those words so much but midday madness this is going to be cool too most annoying sports person full stop the biggest punisher the one you like to beat them up what who's the one come on and you know where this came from this came from yesterday David Warner Steve Smith that's where this idea for midday madness came we had a few texts saying do the most punishing athlete. You can do of all time as well. So which ones punish you? Because some of the ones that are punishing are the people love. I'm thinking LeBron James. Some people love him. Some people find him an extreme punisher in capital letters. Uh, Conor McGregor is probably another one that polarises people. See where I'm going with this? 0800 150 811. This will be good. This will be good. The most punishing I'm going to go with punishing, the most punishing athlete that just grinds your gears. 0800 150 Midday Madness. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Righto, let's get into the phone call. Zaid, the life member from Auckland. G'day, Zaid. Uh, good afternoon, Staffy. Hey, brother. Uh, most punishing athlete, John Jones. Why? Why? Because he's a cheat? Uh, yeah, and he does cocaine, abuses his partner, um, starts shooting people. That's why. Um, yeah, Dave Warner, Steve Smith. The whole Australian cricket team, pretty much, they're all punishing um, because they always beat us. Um, the South African rugby team, they're pretty punishing as well. I'm not a fan of them. Um, obviously, our biggest rivalry in sport and rugby, pretty much. So, yeah, they're not too fun playing them. They're always, you know, real niggly and physical. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't know too much about him, but he seems a bit punishing. Is the um, Sydney Kings coach. He seems punishing. Oh, I don't know him. Did you hear what he said the other day? No. He said the Breakers play that the All Blacks, so he sounds punishing, doesn't he? Because <laughs> he said we play physical. Yeah, I like physical, but um, yeah, I don't think so he sounds a bit annoying. Um, uh, if we're gonna go, uh, Bees Quay Cooper, he's pretty punishing. 
Yeah, I know people find him punishing. I don't mind Quade Cooper myself. Uh, David Pocock, he was always annoying to play. <sighs> wonderful yeah. players, eh? He was a wonderful player. Yeah, that's why. Oh, you just don't like them when they're good. You're one of those guys, <laughs> eh? <laughs> you, you probably don't like any of the Blues players then because they're all good. What about, no, they play for me, mate. What about Conor McGregor? Uh, yeah, he can be a bit punishing, yeah. Yeah. All right, mate. Paddy Pimblett, yeah. he's not punishing. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Definitely right. not punishing. Good man, Zade. Thank you. Cheers, buddy. I- Definitely Stephen Gerrard as well. Yeah, Stephen yeah. Gerrard. Okay, yeah, that was Ricardo's one. That was Ricardo's one. Thanks, Zade. Let's go to Christchurch. Talk to Mikey. G'day, Mikey. <laughs> How you going? This is a good one, this one. Uh, <laughs> Mine's of, of a certain era. Um, funnily enough, two Australians are on the list, but there's no surprise. I actually agree with uh, Zade or Zane. Zade or Zane? I always get the two mixed up. Zade with a D. Zade. Yeah, yeah. Definitely the entire Australian cricket team. But there was one guy back in the day who used to fire up the crowds when we used to go see him was Greg Matthews. <laughs> I knew, I thought so, but it didn't take long. Second caller, I was thinking Greg Matthews in the toilet seat. <laughs> oh, punch that guy in the face. Jesus. Um, <laughs> and uh, when I was over in UK, we went to a Barbarians game over in Cardiff and there were two players there that I, I couldn't stand. Um, and we went to the we went to the nightclub afterwards where the players were, and one of them definitely lived up to his name, Matt Burke. Oh, I couldn't stand that guy, and he was an absolute douche as well, um, from what I could see in real life. Coughing onto my wife, what's going on, Matty Burke? <laughs> um, but uh, another guy I couldn't stand, probably because he was so good, and I think he was a bit filthy player, but he was an amazing player. It was a guy called Mark Andrews for South Africa. Do you remember him? I remember Huge Mark lot. Andrews with the bald head and the headband. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought he was a filthy player, and I couldn't stand him, but I guess part of that was probably because he was just so that good. Yeah. Um, he was at the nightclub as well, and my Irish mate um, was with me, and, and he knew I didn't like him. Um, and he goes, hey, Mike, I've got someone who you can meet. And I go, who's this? I turn around. And there's Mark Andrews, six foot bloody eight of him or whatever he is. <laughs> and he goes, Mikey, did you want to say something to Mark Andrews? And I'm like, you bastard. And I went, oh, oh, hello, hello, Mark. And this absolute shovel of a hand comes down to shake my hand. And he was a perfect gentleman. Bought me a drink. Lovely. So it just goes to show. It does. You know, some people in real life are actually very, very nice. Yeah, that's so true. That is so true. Good memories, Mikey. <laughs> Thanks for sharing those yarns. They're good yarns. No worries, mate. All good. Cheers, buddy. Uh, upper Hut, Gary. G'day, Gary. G'day, Steph. Beautiful day down here today. Stinking hot. Of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, first one that comes to my mind, another Australian, strangely enough, Nick Kyrgios. I can't stand him. Wow, <laughs> really you see? Him. I know you like him. I love yeah. him. I love him for entertainment yeah. value. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I completely appreciate his ability, but just, I don't know, there's something about that guy that just rubs me up the wrong way. <laughs> I just can't stand him. Yeah. And it's mostly followed by Warner as well, so there's a couple of Aussies on that list. <laughs> yeah. And you could throw Ronaldo in there as well just at the moment because, man, I can't stand that guy either. I'm so glad they went out, and I so want Argentina to win this so Messi can say he's the best. Yes. Yes, <laughs> let's go, Lionel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a bit petulant of me, I guess, but, uh, yeah, no, that's the way I am. <laughs> that's fine. Don't change who you are. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, but yeah, chuck down Kyrgios for me is just yeah, something about he's so talented, but by God, he yeah, a face you want to punch. That's him. Yeah, absolutely. But do you do you always watch him? Uh, yeah, he is watchable. Yeah, you're yeah. not wrong there. Definitely, yeah. he knows what he's doing. Half the time, it's all put on. You know, he's, he is playing up to it, but yeah. Still doesn't change the fact you still want to punch him. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, mate. Thanks for the call, Gary. All right. Cheers, Catch up. cheers buddy. You're on Afternoons with Steffi. Thank you to Gull. Uh, fueling your mission all year round. Uh, enough fuel in all of those stations to drive to Dunedin, have a beer with Brad. G'day, Brad. Steffi, how are you? Good. Thank you, Brad. It's good, mate. Um, well, obviously, water immediately spring to, uh, spring to mind mm. but um, might be unpopular with the Auckland folk but the Ioani brothers oh. <laughs> cannot stand them <laughs> I don't know what to say I don't know whether to defend them I don't know whether to agree with you or disagree with you I might just let it lie Brad <laughs> yeah there could be, could be an argument here <laughs> um, oh just just arrogance, better than what they think they are. Yeah, um, just average. Mm, all right, all right, nice work. Another one, another one, another one, real punchable, Owen Farrell. Now, here's a little secret. I have written down one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I've written down 11 names, and I'm going to tick them off as they go through the air. You've picked Owen Farrell. Uh, Steve Smith and, uh, and David Warner have been picked. Ronaldo's been picked. Uh, so four of my 11 have been picked, and I want to see if they're all going to get picked by the listeners before 1 o'clock. <laughs> I, I genuinely think they will. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think they'll pick one, um, but as soon as I say his name, they go, oh, yeah, Punisher. So let's see if people can get it on the phone. Thanks, buddy. Good chatting. Cheers, mate. Brad, out of Dunedin. We go to Wellington, the 04. G'day, Scott. G'day, Steph. How are you going? Good, thanks, Scott. Great topic. Um, I'm going to just chuck in a couple that have already been said already. Um, obviously, uh, Ronaldo, and um, totally agree with you. I hope um, Argentina, obviously for your sake, with your sweepstakes. Yeah. Um, but overall, that um, no, Messi can go on and, and claim it because he he deserves it. And um, yeah, I just I'm just glad that Ronaldo isn't going to get that opportunity. Mm. Um, I'll chuck, uh, being an Everton supporter, I'll chuck Steven Gerrard into that as well. Wow. Um, and Luis Suarez. Yeah. Um, you know, um, don't really need to say much about him with the biting. No. Um, obviously the whole, whole Australian cricket team, but um, <laughs> Warner and Smith in particular. And the other one from that team would be uh, Brad Haddon. Yeah, gosh, Punisher. Oh, yes. Oh, you know, just... just you know, I know wicket keepers are normally a bit mouthy, but um, yeah, no, he he was just over the top. He sort was of thing. Nick so level. Just, just a guy. He was just a guy. You just you know, probably even his mum would struggle to like, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> There's a line for us. There's a great line. Good, good man, Scott. And I've got a. Yep. I've got a. Um, I just saw a. I actually, just saw a power play. I thought I'd let you know about uh, for tonight with the uh, big bash. Um, oh. The. There's one, uh, Alex Hales and Marcus Stoinis. Uh, for both of them to hit two sixes each is paying seven bucks. Oh, oh, that's not bad. Is no, that, no, is... and if Hales gets going, he, uh, he'll definitely hit a few sixes and, and Stoinis does as well. So this is a, is this the first match tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So it's got uh, Trent Bolt obviously playing in that as well. So this is the thunder against the stars. Look at me flying yep. through here now. Um, power plays. How much did you say I was paying? Six? Uh, seven, I think it is. Seven. Hales and Stoinis to hit two plus sixes each. I'm about that. Seven bucks. Yeah. Oh, I think that's pretty good value, that one. And it goes. I've clicked it. <laughs> awesome. Let's hope it comes through. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Cheers, buddy. No worries, Steph. Have a good day. Cheers, mate. You too. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll chat to Graham from Wairarapa. Who's the most punishing athlete? 0800 So many text messages have come in, which I'm going to package up. And after one, I'll read there's some absolute doozies. One quick one. Mark Stafford. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. That is from our great mate Jason in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. You too, Jason. I hope you have a very, very nice time. Let's go back to the phones. 0800 150 Graham, g'day, bud. How are you, mate? All right? Very well. Story. Um, my wife would smash the TV screen just about every time Novak Djokovic is uh, <laughs> on screen. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting. I saw him um, before he was anything, and I, I watch all those Friday night fights and all that sort of stuff. And he was on an undercard in a little town hall, and I don't know, out of Manchester or something. And Eddie Hearn said, "This guy's going to be world champion." He's like two right arm, and I'm like, "Mate, you're an unco Gumby. You, you are not going to be a world champion." I just watched him fight. I thought you're nothing. Well, was I wrong? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. On the tennis front. Um, I think historically Macaro must have uh, stirred a few uh, <laughs> stirred a few people up. I think he had more haters than he had lovers. That's for sure. <laughs> I loved him, uh, and again, like, what did I love him? Like, he was a fan. I loved him because he was Sir Volley, and we don't see Sir yeah, Volley yeah, anymore. Yeah. And he was his battles with Jimmy Connors and Bjorn Borg was just highlights. Yeah, yeah iconic stuff. Yeah, absolutely iconic. Yeah. Where are you today, right. mate? Are you still in Wainui? Uh, no, no, it's just Monday for an hour. Um, <laughs> no, I'm in. Uh, I'm just on the way from Masterton to Carterton, mate. Oh. Beautiful hot day here. Carterton is yep. the second-hand shop capital of New Zealand. Yep, and and that's not that's not abuse, Carterton. That is a big, big tick because it's amazing yep. stuff. Yeah, and half of Wellington already in Greytown, so they already <laughs> finished their jobs, their uh, corporate jobs, and they're already in Greytown. <laughs> uh, that was my number one town in New Zealand in our Tuesday draft. Actually, Greytown back in the day. Oh, yep. fantastic, yep. mate! Good chatting, bud. Take it easy. Uh, Graham from Wairarapa, sometimes Wainui, currently Wairarapa, Petoni for sure sometimes. But I know this man, he's a boxing man. He's a boxing man from Foxton. And we're going to chat to him very shortly, I think. Or is he ringing about something else? No, he's ringing to chat. Chris from Foxton. G'day, Chris. Yeah, yeah, have another go. Um now, this is going to upset everyone, but Mike Tyson is the guy that I think is totally underrated when he, uh, uh, his um, 
life history is not that flash. And if I went to meet him, I'd probably have to take a van to Holyfield with me. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, he was uh, had 13 losses and nine times he was TKO'd. Uh, Buster Douglas knocked him out. And everyone raves about uh, Mike Tyson. And, you know, out of the ring, he was a horrible person. Mm. Um, got got um, years and years of raping Miss World and and then had the audacity to go and talk to kids at schools about and I know that he, he came up from a hard background but he doesn't do it for me so that's the guy mm. um, yeah uh, you know like people say that he was one of the best world champions he was 20th on my list and yeah. um, not, not being nasty but you know that I just couldn't stand him when he when he tried to bite uh, Vander's uh, ear in in the uh, third bout that they had, which um, Vander won three of them and um, tried to bite his ear and he was definitely on something that day. When you watch the replay of the fight, <laughs> yeah, he he was a crazy man, wasn't he? But the the early Mike Tyson. And I'm going to go when he was 20 to 22. He was untouchable. Yeah, he yeah. was destructive. Yeah. He fought a lot of old guys then, though. Yeah. You know, he fought a lot of, um, they weren't up and comers. They, yeah. But anyway, um, nice sunny day. That's the spirit. <laughs> That's the stuff, mate. Yeah. That's the stuff. Go and get, okay. go and get yourself a lime Foxton fizz. Hey, hey, no, I can do better than that. I'm having a hug now. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Good on you, buddy. Good talking to you. Okay, mate. Cheers, yeah. bud. One of the great boxing historians, uh, Chris from Foxton. I tell you what, there are so many texts coming. They are so good. Um, I've still got one. I'll let you in. Floyd Way Mayweather um, has come in a number of times on the text machine. He, he was on my list. He, he's not one of mine, but I knew he'd be picked. But all the rest are mine. Okay, um, I think Floyd Mayweather, pain in the ass, you know, Floyd Money Mayweather, but scientifically, wizard, defensive wizard. He the shoulder roll, how he managed to get through his whole career with pretty much never getting hit, a wizard in the ring, bit of a knob out of the ring. Um, but I've still got one, two, three. Four, five, six that haven't been rung up and mentioned. 0800 or 150811. That's the midday manners. Who are the punishers? Who are the athletes that make your wife want to throw things at the television? That make you maybe a bit more lippy than you'd like to be, than you're comfortable. Turn you into a person that you don't like to be because they appear on TV and they're in a final and you just go, just beat that muppet because they punish me. New sport and weather. After that, we'll take your calls. 0800 811. If you can't get to a phone, happy for you to text on the Temper Bed Post text machine. That is double eight double three. Big thanks to Temper and Bed Post for doing that. Logan Swinkles. Logan Swinkles from Mornings has texted the show. Michael Hooper is the only answer for most punishable athlete. Swinks has taken it upon himself. <laughs> That's how much he feels about it. I think Michael Hooper's fantastic. I don't find him punishing at all. There you go.
New sport and weather. We'll come back. Midday Madness is all about the most punishing athletes, the ones that make your red blood cells white. Who are they? Donald Christchurch, good afternoon, sir. Not talking to us. He hung up. He had a joke, Steph. Oh, he just, had a joke. Did he it, tell you what the joke was? He did. Well, I'm not going to repeat it. I love my job. Can you tell, is it like a, what did the blah blah say to the blah blah or something like it, that? It was a weightlifting joke. Uh, Can you tell the first half without the punchline? Definitely not. Oh. Definitely not. There was a, I picked up on four key words before I said who or what. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, good man though, Donald. He's got a few. He said, he said uh, he'll brew a good one up for us. That's safe for air and he'll ring us back. So we'll hear from him again. Oh, that's good. That's it. good. Now... Sammy's operating uh, from our cowcop office today. Um, I'm not actually quite sure why he's at home working from home today, but um, but he is, and uh, he is certainly putting in the work though. And um, he is the technology behind our next two biggest sporting moments of 2022. The first of which, which we'll play at about 20 past one. You do not want to miss that. You do not want to miss that. That is an absolute rip snorter. Oh, here he is. Here he is. Tēnākwe Ed from Tolaga Bay. Tēnākwe, brother. I was... You know, the fellow that I'm really... It's to me is that fellow, Latrell Mitchell. Oh, you don't like Latrell? No, well, I don't like the way he beat up on old Joey Mulley. And huh? then he did it twice. And old Joey, Joey Mulley, come on, cunt. <laughs> he got you twice, man. <laughs> <laughs> That boy doesn't do all the other players, but when you hit this guy twice, okay, by one, yeah, but twice, come on. <laughs> hey, Ed, I had a friend of mine ring me last night and he said, Who's that Ed bloke? He sounds a hard case. Would you say you're a hard case? Oh, well, I'm happy going on <laughs> You're always happy, eh, Ed? Well, you've got to be yourself, man. There's a lot of things bring you down, but you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going for Christmas? I'm going home. You going to Tolaga Bay? Yep, I'll be there. Uh, uh, last day of work is next Thursday. So I'll be um, packing up uh, the missus and our baby and then we're off. Oh, for how long? <laughs> uh, probably about a week or so. Crayfish? Oh, crayfish, well, we'll see what happens. But I'm going to go and... Uh, to the Cook's Cove, get up on top of that mountain. I've been on top of that for a while. Nice. Go up to the wharf and go dive into all my cousin's fridges and freezers. <laughs> That's a spirit, mate. You're a city slicker now. You've got to go and raid their freezers. <laughs> That's how you do it, this Sammy. That's it, mate. <sighs> Don't worry about the bait. Just go to the freezer. You know, there's always something, you know, at the bottom of those things. Hey, look at this. This is a part of from last season. Oh, sure. Pull that out. <laughs> Good man, Ed. All right, bud. Good chatting to you. Cheers, mate. Uh, Ed from Tolaga Bay. We just go about an hour, hour and a half down the coast to Joe from Gizzy. G'day, Joe. Hey, Steffi. That's right. The coast representing, representing. Merry Christmas, boys. Yes. A uh, couple of punishers got to be the Chapel boys. Just joined in if they've been mentioned, but... Um, they haven't you know, been? The, the, 
well, there we go. You know, they should be first mentioned off the bat. The Under Armours, uh, you know, that they should be banished from cricket. When you're talking about people like uh, Warner getting banished from captaincy, but anyone with the Under Armour, the Chapel Boys, I'll have them. I'll have Brock Lesnar. They're just oh. a filthy, steroid-induced, drug-taking grub, right? Yes. Who, who hammered our man, our hunt. You know, that when you watch that, you should, geez, you absolute guy out of control. So, absolute grub punisher. And uh, growing up, mate, and, and I, I, I knew him a little bit, it was uh, Carlos Spencer, you know. <laughs> Your main man, your idol, the guy you've got to, still got a post of next to your bed. Uh, you know, the, the, the men are two mere, as they call him. But, uh, yeah, he can, he can punish himself straight off the edge of the flank, that boy. You know, just show pony, had all the goods, but uh, punished everybody he, he played against. And one of those guys everyone looked at and thought, mate, not going to have that. But... Uh, Got a little story there if you if you got a little bit of time, Taff. Go on. All right, so Adrian Cashmore's twenty first, and uh, boys turn up with uh, the Orkies. He turns up with the Auckland boys and Scrimo, Owen Scrimmager from the Sevens. Yeah. Starts having starts having a bit words with uh, the uh, Mayor of Manawatu and dumps a bowl of coleslaw on his head, <laughs> and she's all on. She's all on, mate. Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> but uh, one of those little stories that uh, the Mayor of Manawatu got punished that day. But, um, yeah, but listen, Merry Christmas to you, mate. You had a great show. You you bring everything every afternoon, and uh, you got a lot of regulars who, who listen in and call in. And uh, the way you carry your stories and your research with the boys behind the, uh, behind the mic there, just want to say thanks very much. You know, you make a really good listening all afternoon when the boys are at work and you make life go a little bit easier. Oh, so, uh, cheers, Steffi. Really appreciate that, Joe. That, that means a lot uh, from an astute listener like yourself. I always enjoy your calls, buddy, uh, and you're the greatest part of the world, of course, in Gizzy. Thanks so much, buddy. All right, mate. Have a good one. Take See it easy. Uh, Joe from Gizzy there, city of my birth, Gisborne. Always a little bit biased, but, oh, beautiful words. That, that means a lot. Like, And that's the thing. Like, this show... Um, I had someone ask me the other day. Says you got it easy. You got four. You work four hours a day. Um, it don't work like that. And I'm not getting the violins out. But um, geez, we've created a monster for ourselves this week. Like you'll produce like a five minute piece. Uh, you'll hear five minutes. It's a couple of hours each for the three of us. <laughs> but uh, we love it, and um, and we do it. Not for us, we actually do it for the listeners out there and I hope that's quite evident because you guys are just so awesome. Um, look at the text messages I've got. It's like, I'm going to guess about 40 with your punishers in the sport. I love the interaction that we get from you. We try and pick some subjects. You don't have to stick to the subject. You can go off subject, AZ. You can go off subject, AZ. You can go off subject, AED. And it's the cool thing is that I do have friends that listen to this that have never rung and they've never texted but they all know you guys, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, Zade's incredibly popular. Um, Joe from Gizzy. Um, my, my godparents live in Gisborne, and I was catching up with them, and I, and I said, I wish I knew Joe's last name. He's a great man from Gizzy, and Ed from Tolaga Bay. The listeners are getting to know you, and you're getting to know the listeners, and that's what we are all about here on the afternoons. Anyone else got any punishes? 
Anyone else got, or I'll start on the text machine after the ad break, which I don't want to do. I want to save it because the, it, it's going to be like, it's going to be a, like a singular, amazing individual podcast that we will release after the show. So all of the bits that we do on the show, all you people that are listening on your wireless, there might be the odd day that you miss the show. Everything's podcast. Everything's podcast on all of the platforms and on the SENZ app, which you'll probably want with holidays coming up. So download the SENZ app. When you open it, you can either click Listen Now, and if you opened it right now, it'd say Afternoons with Staffy. Or you can go down the bottom, there's the podcasts, go show by show, whatever you want, all the New Zealand shows, all the Australian shows. Um, we've got Jared Waitley, we've got Gilly in West Australia. They're all there. And so take that on holiday with you and you can listen on demand because everyone's schedule is about to go out the window, isn't it? There's no driving to work and dropping the kids off to school soon. We are freestyling, a lot of us from Monday, a lot of us from Monday. But, yeah, just reiterate that we are here for the listeners and, and I love that the listeners are getting to know each other. I remember Graham from Wairarapa said he'd love to meet Graham from Marlborough for of Northam one day. And maybe that can happen one day. We'll have a get-together somewhere and it'd be fantastic because... Um, Putting faces to names and sharing a nutty brown frothy ale would be just tremendous. Anyway, we will take a break. If you've got any punishers in sport, love to hear them. 0800 150 811 calls after this. Look, I tell you what, I was going to save the text messages till after one o'clock so we could just bundle it up into one podcast, but there are so many. I'm going to make a start on them now. Unless you want to call, calls interrupt the Tampa Beard Post text machine. Uh, we love them for giving us this text machine. All these little pink messages with yellow boxes around them. Love them. So we'll get to them. But if you want to call, 0800 150 811, we'll take your call. Uh, from Matt, to balance the equation with gender neutrality, Staffy, I'll go Serena Williams. Then Daylight second. Oh. Oh. For me, now I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say the word that you've written here because I like Serena. Uh, for me, she's the most let's say, challenging sports personality I've ever come across. I know what you're saying. That performance when she played Naomi Osaka, and that that wasn't great. Was it Naomi Osaka at the US Open when she, yeah, she had a shocker. Righto, here they come. Nathan says, Paul Gallen, absolute grub. <laughs> he's a good player, but he's a bit of a knob end. Um, another one for Paul Gallen, two in a row. Let me check. Two different phone numbers, so it is two different people. Um, Clado has chimed in with Jared cheating. Then he's put F, asterisk, 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 N, Hain. So Jared Hain. Didn't know that was his surname. Frank, is it Jared cheating Frankenstein Hain? Doesn't like Jared Hain. James has said Courtney Bruce. You know what? You're onto something there. And who was the other Aussie netballer that used to wind me up? Sherelle McMahon, the centre? Oh, she was good, but gee, she was punishing. Uh, someone suggests George Gregan with six exclamation marks. <laughs> Willie Mason, the big buffhead from Chris. Don't like Big Willie, hey? Anthony Mundine. Anthony Mundine, absolute Muppet, and John Hopawate, PJ. <laughs> a 
Shooter McGavin. What an arrogant prick from Rory. <laughs> oh, dear. Now, here's two that are on my list. Jake and Logan Paul. Yes. They are right up there. Right up there. Well done for picking the pools. Uh, Blocker Roach punishes my ears all NRL season from Gareth, particularly when he plays the Warriors. He doesn't like the Warriors, does he? Blocker Roach. Doesn't like them. Um, The most punish... uh, Sorry, the most punchable faces in sport has to be Nick White and Grant Dalton. I'm wondering if in the fullness of time, you know how sometimes you live in the present and something is more magnified at the time, and then in the fullness of time and you look back 10 years, do do you think what Grant Dalton's done with Team New Zealand and, and all of that, like currently it's annoying people because it's gone away from New Zealand, but... And in the next generation, when we look back and say, geez, that guy put together a team and they won it and then they defended it and then they lost it and they won it back. And I'm just wondering about Grant Dalton, eh? Um, complicated man. Uh, intense man. Nick White, 100%. Lose the mo. Maybe not quite as punchable, Nick White. Zaid says, Draymond Green, I hate him. He kicks Stephen Adams in the balls twice. <laughs> it's not bad. Um, Staffy and Sam. And Captain K. Novak Djokovic for me. Brilliant player, but an arrogant twat. (laughs) Cheers and all the best for Christmas from Maggie. Thank you, Maggie. That's the thing about Novak. I can't can't quite decide because have you seen some of the things? He does those impersonations of players and he's got this surf down pat and he does lots of charity things as well. Then there was the Aussie Open anti-vax type thing. He's just like, he's like a pendulum. I'm for him, against him, for him, against him. Now I'm neutral. But I know what you're saying, Maggie. He does wind a lot of people up. Uh, biggest punishers are here, Staffy. Brad Haddon, Ellie Williams, Justin Hodges, and Rico Ioane. There's a list. I won't say who that is. Oh, go on, Des. There you go, Des. <laughs> Staffy, my mother-in-law used to rage whenever she saw Jonah Lomu on TV. She didn't even know why herself. She just used to go over the top, unreasonable, whenever she was watching a game and he touched the ball and didn't score a try. Definitely poor form on her part. So she was really frustrated with him because he didn't score a try. Not that he was good, but he just didn't score a try. Most annoying rugby player is Faf de Klerk. He's arrogant and he's got true short man syndrome. I loved watching him get smashed. <laughs> you live in Pleasant Point. You should live in Angry Point. <laughs> oh, John. It's funny how some people wind people up. Staffy, is Messi still on a... Ooh, better hurry. Staffy, is Messi still on a suspended sentence for tax fraud from about two years ago, or have I got the wrong person, Sean? Sean, Captain K looked up, and there's about 400 professional footballers on suspended suspended sentences for tax fraud in Spain. He's probably one of them. He is one of them. We'll come back. Gold.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. I just Googled the Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill because I wanted to know what it's all about. It needs to be on my deck. It needs to be there. 
the best caller of the month, thank you to Ava Living, is going to win one. The Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill. If you've never rung the show, Google that. Oklahoma Joe's Blackjack Charcoal Kettle Grill and tell me you don't want it. And then ring any show anytime. 0800 150 They're worth five or 600 bucks. They are money. They are conversation starters. Wheels, shelves. Can I call my own show? <clears throat> I might give it a go. Get yourself involved in that. Um, we're going to take new sport and weather very shortly. In the next hour, we've got our number eight and our biggest sporting moments of 2022. But it was not your fault but mine And it was your heart on the line I really messed it up this time Deny my dear Deny my dear Sort of bluegrass, is that? Sort of bluegrass. I think banjos is bluegrass, but um, never mind. Oh, look, so many text messages. I've still got four on my list that haven't been mentioned. Now, I haven't read all the text messages. Let's see if any of my remaining four punishing athletes are on your text messages. Chris says, the Liverpool team and its fans. How do you feel about that, Captain K? I've just dumped that, so no one's going to hear that. No, you haven't. But no, I haven't. No. So, okay, there you go. Uh, James says Messi is better than Cristiano Ronaldo, even without a World Cup. Yeah, those arguments will go on. From a Cantabrian to Zaid, Carlos Spencer. From Zaid to Cantabrians, Richie McCaw. <laughs> oh, the jousting. Um, Greg Dyer, Greg Chappell, David Warner, John Hart, Cristiano Ronaldo because of his latest behaviour, and the NZRFU board for not appointing Razor. Punishing. Darcy Swain from Reese. Yes, can't wait for the All Blacks to fix him up. <laughs> oh, they will remember. Hey, Steph, here's my punchable faces list. <laughs> Justin Hodges, Nick White, and push and shove Rico Ioani from a year or so ago. I think he's got better now, though, from Shane. Oh, Scott. This guy wasn't on my list, but I'm with you. Glenn Maxwell is the biggest tool around. Anyone that gives themselves the nickname of Big Show, what a helmet. More like the No Show. Keep up the good work, guys, Scott from Christchurch. <laughs> uh, Jerome Luai from James. He's the guy that was at Brian Tall's wedding and thought he'd make, said something funny. And he actually swore or did something really bad in the speech. Jerome Luai. Staffy, Cody Walker. He has the ability to make me change channel every single time. From Ted, Cody Walker. Hey, guys, I have a top 10. This is from Tomo. David Warner, Phil Kearns, Rod Kafer, Owen Farrell, Quade Cooper, David Warner, David Warner, David Warner, David Warner, David Warner. <laughs> That's what he wrote. And I don't think he cut and paste. I think he was punching the phone hard when he sent that text message in. Staffy, I bet one of yours is darts player Daryl Gurney. Oh, the reason is because of his walkout song. Where it began. Yes, Carl. I don't mind Super Chin Daryl Gurney. I'm lucky enough to have met him. 
but his walkout song needs work. How did the Crusaders win the best team out of 25 teams when they relentlessly play Sweet Caroline every single game? Why? That's enough tonight. Oh, here's one on my list from Mark Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> That's one on my list. I'm down to three unticked ones now. Thank you, Mark. Staffy, Greg Matthews, my friend introduced me to him in a bar in Christchurch after they'd towered us up in a test. What a great bloke. Told the best stories and shouted all afternoon, Mark. That doesn't surprise me. I actually know someone that knows Nick Kurios as well and said he is the nicest bloke away from the tennis court. Owen Farrell, just a grub. Him and Jake Paul could punch each other. <laughs> Charlie... Surely the trifecta of punishers is Manus Labashkagni, David Warner and Steve Smith. They'd be paying single figures. <laughs> Mark from Christchurch. I can't call rough signal, but the biggest punisher going round is that absolute melt, Jerome Luai. Go look up his best man speech from Brian To'o's wedding on the weekend. It tops it off there. That was the one I was talking about. It is not good. Uh, time and place. Aiden from Hawke's Bay. Floyd Mayweather. Okay. I knew someone would pick him. Clive Woodward. I remember him with the Lions. And he bought out, as part of his management team, a spin doctor. That was his job title. Spin doctor. Oh, good vote here, Patrick Reed. He's a cheater. He's a disgrace to the game and a general punisher. Ruser from Howick. Ruser. Potentially the best name that's ever texted the show. Ruser. Cristiano Ronaldo, what a tosser from Richie. Has to be Brad Haddon. Normally, I think Eddie Jones, Michael Checker, and Jerome Luai can be pretty punishing. That's from Luke. Um, gosh, they just keep they just keep coming in. Keep coming in. Um, Sam H working from home is a Christmas stitch up, I reckon. Sean, I hear you, Sean. Sean, I hear you. I think he's listening. I think Sammy H is listening. He did work. You're about to hear some of his work very shortly, actually, with our number eight in our biggest sporting moments. Uh, Zach Lomax pats the opposition on the back after St George score. I didn't know that. I'm going to keep an eye out for that. Eyeliner Ma Nonu is up there for me. Now, again, Ma Nonu, one of the nicest guys I've known, but I understand how he can polarise people. And David, it wasn't my sandpaper warner. <laughs> Cam Munster, James Faulkner, yes. Matthew Wade, Anthony Joshua, Mark Robinson, they, that got capital letters. Bryson DeChambeau, LeBron James. Bryson's a bit punishing. I'm with you there. He is a bit punishing. LeBron James. Quade Cooper, Steve Smith, followed closely by Phil Kearns, Justin Harrison and Eddie Jones. I'm not picky any or all of them. That's from Rick. Hi there. Hansi Kronje and any match, cricket match fixes. John from Christchurch. Ooh, it's a big list. Um, are you doing a new vault today? Kia ora Hamish. Yes, we are. About 2.40. John Eels from Carpety Stew. John Eels. Punisher. Is that because of that goal? Staffy, Manus. Oh, can I read this out, Ken? Ken, this is for effect, isn't it? You don't truly mean this next name I'm about to say, Ken. Scott Robertson. 
He's not a punisher. He's a champion. Ken, you're just stoking the fire. I know you. Mark says Billy Slater. Inzamam Ulhaq. Not over 1992. None of us are that witnessed Inzamam Ulhaq. Bryson DeChambeau. Another tosser from Richie. Wayne Barnes from Kenny. <laughs> and another referee. Paul Honus. Punisher. Staffy, it's got to be Greg Dowling. What a beautiful combination from Kevin Tamati, Marshy and Hawks Bay. Yes. Yes, boy. <laughs> I can't believe you're ending the year on this note, Staffy. Bit of a downer. Oh, Karen, I'm not finishing the year. I'm not finishing the year. I'm doing it actually quite uplifted, Carolyn. I apologise. I'm sorry. Carolyn, how can I pick you up, Carolyn? Tell you what, Carolyn. Text in and give us the subject for tomorrow's Midday Madness. It can be beautiful. It can be anything you like, Carolyn. Text me back. I'm so, I feel bad now. I've given Carolyn a downer. I'm, I'm finding quite of them a bit humorous. Staffy, Paul Gallen. He's a thug. Got a face like a drop pie. <laughs> See, that's funny, Carolyn. He's got a face like a drop pie. <laughs> oh, oh, Carrie, stop texting. Uh, Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson gets a vote. Come on, Ken, you're better than that. That's from Kenny. Ken, you are better than that. Staffy, Cameron Munster makes me want to smash with a bat. He's lucky punching is is outlawed in rugby league. Speaking of working from home, Sammy, as a boat builder since I've been working from home, sales have been going through the roof. (laughs) Not bad. Okay, I've read all of the text messages. I've had all of the calls. There are still three left on my list that I find punishing. And they, particularly two of them, oh, even they have all been number one in the world in their sport. Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson. I don't, I don't hate people. Uh, but I've always found him so disingenuous and awkward. Awkward is the word, Phil Mickelson. Like walking down the last hole and he's going to win the title and people are cheering for him and the way he waves and nods. and I just, I've just found him uncomfortable to watch. And then what he's done around this live golf and he's prepared to empty his nappies all over the PGA Tour where he made his fortune, evaded taxes, I might add, and he's just giving them backhands, backhanders, not payments, and saying he's on the progressive. You don't need to disrespect the tour that where you made yourself. So I really struggle with Phil Mickelson. That's one of them. Rafa Nadal. He winds me up. He just winds me up, particularly when he adjusts his underwear and then picks his nose. I just cannot handle that. Pick your nose, then adjust your underwear. Do it in that order, not the other order. The way he spins his water bottles to face the serving box that he's going to go to next. Putting hair behind his ears when there's no hair to go behind his ears. The towel, every single point. If you sweat that much, you'd cramp up. He just annoys me, Rafa. I know he's a wonderful tennis player. More to come on Rafa's career once he's retired. WTA. Wait for it. And another one. This is the one. 
this was the first name on my list. This is my first Punisher. Grinded my gears. Doesn't play anymore. Tennis player. Australia. Leighton Hewitt. With his come on and his reverse thing that he did with his hand. Oh, I found him so punishing. So, so punishing. Scott Robertson, the player, made me want to break my TV because he was so unbelievably overrated and it's not funny. But as far as Razor the coach goes, he's the ultimate polar opposite. Brilliant. Uh, Peter Griffin. Peter Griffin. Family guy? Oh, family guy. I don't watch it. Okay. (laughs) Billy Slater gets another one. Michael Bevan because he single-handedly beat New Zealand. He was incredible for a while, wasn't he, Michael Bevan? The runner ball guy. Staffy, Chippy Seminoff, you know why. Ouch. Thank you, Graham. Chippy Seminoff. Chippy Seminoff. Couple more. Um, okay. Are we allowed refs in this? Steve Walsh all day long. Surprised I know no one has said Sonny Bill Williams. And the last one for now. Too many Aussie cricket players to mention. British rugby writer Stephen Jones is an absolute tool. Yes, he is. Worst of all is Sergio Garcia. That guy is a whinger. Remember when he got all those threats of penalties because of his regripping and resetting, and he'd take like thirty seconds to play a shot, regrip, 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 regrip. Dubious background too, Sergio. Um, righto, we'll take a break. On the other side, you won't want to miss this. Maybe get the tissues. <laughs> uh, our number eight biggest sporting moment of 2022 will come at you after the break. Uh, all this week we're going to do a bit of a countdown of the biggest sporting moments. Uh, Ten big, big sporting moments that happened this year. We're not saying it's the um, definitive list, but it's the list we have compiled. We bought you number 10 and number 9 yesterday, the first match of the T20 World Cup when New Zealand beat Australia. We gave you that one yesterday. And the other one was Liam Lawson getting a Formula One drive. Number eight is here. The biggest sporting moments of 2022. Number eight. It's been a In the early hours of March the 5th, 2022, the world awoke to news that could barely be believed. One of cricket's most iconic and effervescent heroes, Shane Warne, had died. At first, the news, it just seemed too ridiculous to believe. Warne was only 52 years old and had recently been across Australian television screens as part of their summer of cricket. But as more and more media sites published the news, the rumour quickly became a very difficult reality. Warren was universally adored, not just in Australia, but over here in New Zealand as well. He was an antagoniser for sure, but he was also a master craftsman, a joker, a pioneer, and above all else, an amazing cricketer. Around the world, fans knew him for taking over 700 wickets in a test career spanning 145 games 15 years and more wins than one could care to count. He was renowned for creating highlights every time he stepped out onto the pitch. Who can forget 
the ball of the century. First ball in test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Gaddy has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. He still doesn't know. He asked Kenny Palmer on the way out. Kenny Palmer just gave him a raised eyebrow and a little nod. And that's all it needed. Or his hat-trick against England in the Boxing Day Ashes Test in 1994. His spiritual home, the MCG. And if ever he's got a great chance of a hat-trick, this is it. But Kiwis have much richer memories of the man. Of course, it extends to a fierce rivalry we share with the baggy green. But Warren was often centre stage when the two teams met. Perhaps one of his most infamous moments was during the third and deciding test between New Zealand and Australia in Perth 2001. He strode to the crease with his side in big, big trouble. 192 for six they were in reply to the Black Caps, 534 for nine declared. Warren put on a number eight batting masterclass, pushing his way towards his maiden test century, only it all went horribly wrong. Goes for it. There's a man out there who's getting under it. And he's got it. And Shane Warren tragically finishes on 99. Warren was the last man out, the total of 351, with what turned out to be the last ball of the day. To make matters worse, Vittori, who bowled that delivery, had actually spun down a no ball, which was never caught. It would become the low light of his career, as he finished as a player with the most test and international runs without a century. Of course, there were more terrorising moments. His eight-wicket haul against us at the Gabba in 1993, or countless milestone moments he achieved against New Zealand over his 15-year career. And sometimes, we couldn't help but watch and laugh, like the moment he met our very own Baz McCullum in the Big Bash. What about to McCullum, Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one, or maybe he'd go inside out again a bit harder, so might try and slide one in there fast. So when the news of his passing reached our shores, the tributes flowed. This man caused New Zealand enormous heartache in the game of cricket over the years, but he was one of the most respected and appreciated humans off the field, and it showed. Brendan McCullum was one of the first to talk about his old foe and mate. Yeah, look, obviously I was shocked like the rest of you know the cricketing world, or not just the cricketing world, but all the world who had the opportunity to have been um, blessed by their time and and um, you know involvement with with Warney. Um, and when news came through that that the king, as he was so affectionately known, had kind of left the building for the final time, I just was gutted. You know, like just I was shocked firstly, but then just gutted and took a little while for it to really to really sink in because I Warney just had <laughs> he was. Yeah, he didn't live the purest of lives, no doubt, but you know he just he he had this inve- this air of invincibility around him, which uh, I always thought you know he'd just he'd be able to live long and defy all 
all personal choices and you know to to hear that you know he he had passed away and um was pretty pretty gutting and you know I'd initially a sort of real sorrow and sadness and then quickly sort of yeah, shake yourself into gear because you know that that's not what Warney would have wanted you to think about him either. He wouldn't want you to be filled with sorrow and sadness. He'd want you to remember the good times and, and the experiences that you had together. Stephen Fleming, the man who often had to lead his side against the Shane Warne onslaught, also shared an emotional message about a man he called a true friend. Warney, you are one hell of a cricket player, but you're an even better mate. From taking my wicket on the field to giving me your time off it, I felt that was a pretty good deal. We'd play 500 during rain breaks and test cricket, and we'd have some ferocious golf games and haggles. Never a dull moment with you, mate, and I loved every minute of it. Godspeed, King. It even extended behind the cricketing world. Ryan Fox, who always had a strong connection with the Aussie cricketer, dedicated his win at Dunhill to the great man. Ryan, many congratulations. Alfred Dunhill Links champion. What's this mean to you? Um, it's pretty surreal, to be honest. I don't know if I can quite put it into words. Um, it's always one of, one of my favourite weeks of the year to come to. It's an event I probably haven't done overly well in the past either, but always had a whole lot of fun. And you know, this, this year probably meant a little bit more to me. Um, you know, Warney was my partner for the last few years, and um, yeah, we, we a lot of us missed him dearly this year. And um, I know he was helping me out there today. The truth is, Warney felt just as much a part of Kiwi sporting culture as any of our own. We feared watching the ball come into his hands, but somehow we couldn't stop our jaws dropping when it came out the other side. We loved Vittori, Fleming, Astle, Bond, and all the gang from the late 90s and early 2000s. But let's be honest, when you're out in the backyard, ball in hand, it was Shane Warne you were trying to emulate. In a year with so many positive sporting highlights, the news of Warney's death was something that will never, ever be forgotten. To this day, the cricketing world still longs to see that blindingly white smile, the strawberry blonde hair, and the infectious laugh that so often filled the commentary box. His records will always be around. His stats, his figures, show just how remarkable his career truly was. And there's no doubt the next generation will be brought up on highlights of Shane Warne on YouTube. So he deserves his place in our biggest sporting moments of 2022. The man who gave us all so much joy. Here's to Warney. Here's to the king of spin. Yes, incredibly sad day that was with the passing of one of the absolute greats of cricket and not only with his uh, wizardry with the ball and the bat, um, his captaincy, his entertainment in the big bash, but off the park, he was a tremendous bloke as well. Gone too soon. Shane Warne, um, definitely, definitely one of the biggest and saddest sporting moments of 2022. We'll go to new sport and weather now and we'll be back after that. Yes, uh, it's interesting sitting here. When you put a piece together, obviously I'm voicing it. Um, We all have hands at the scripts and we get the audio and we put a song underneath it and when I'm saying Sammy Hewitt's working at home, that's what he put together for us and um, 
when you that's the first, that's the first time I heard the whole completed piece. All of us probably heard it for the first time all completed and um, puts you in a reflective mood, doesn't it? And um, you got to appreciate the things that are here now and here today. And of course, as we are approaching Christmas, incredibly important time to just take stock and reflect and remember to remember every minute because it's the time of year we reconnect either in person or on FaceTime or on Zoom with family and friends and you're sort of fortunately forced into what's important to you. But do take that time because um, it's an incredibly important part of the year. Um, and Shane Warne, yes, what a, I, I couldn't believe that when it had happened. Um, very, very sad day for Shane Warne. I promise you, um, supporting moment number seven will be a bit more uplifting. But uh, we definitely had to acknowledge the great man, uh, Shane Warne. And I was going to say I hope you enjoyed it, but um, I don't quite know what the right word is. Um, I hope you acknowledge that we shared it with you and um, the response we're getting on the text machine, which seems to be that you are. So thank you. Um, got a few more punishes. It feels like the wrong thing to do to go back to the punishes. But you're texting them, so I need to read them. Staffy, now there's some names here I don't know. Paul, Paul and Darts players, Gerwin Price. I've completely flipped on Gerwin Price. I've completely flipped on him. He used to be a big punisher for me. And here's the thing. It's happened to me a number of times in my life. I got to meet him. I've probably met him two or three times. What a tremendous bloke got away from the from the hockey he is. Um, Earl Strickland, don't know who that is, sorry. American nine-ball player, very arrogant. Snooker player Judd Trump, don't know him. Can't stand him. So Gerwin Price, I, I get it. His theatrics and his carrying on, but he just does that to pump himself up. Anyone that plays rugby for England, someone says. Um, no athletes, but umpires Daryl here and Daryl Harper, they are so biased. They only had one eye between them. <laughs> one eye between them. Team, I was in a meeting yesterday when the vault was on. Was it, What was the moment in the end? Chris, it was Daryl Tuffy's 14 ball over in 2005, one day at Eden Park, New Zealand, Australia. Daryl Tuffy's 14 ball over. Um, we have a new vault for you today and that will be at about 2.40 so stick around for that but we'll take a quick break now. On the other side we're going to catch up with uh, Connor Andrews he's out of Talk Sport in the UK previewing the two semi-finals in the FIFA World Cup. There are four teams left of course in the FIFA World Cup over in Qatar uh, no England which has sort of taken a little bit of a gloss off for us down in this part of the world but a big bit of gloss up in the Northern Hemisphere and we are joined now by Connor Andrews out of TalkSport in the UK, currently in Germany. Uh, Connor, did you just have to get out of England after the loss? Yeah, a little bit. I think everyone's sort of realistic. I think everyone's sort of buying what the players are saying and thinking we'll be back. So um, it's a bit different to before. The same but different, I think. What What is the mood like? It's hard to celebrate when you don't make the semi-finals, but do, do the England fans see enough from this team to suggest things are actually not too bad? I think so. I think it's. Um, I think everyone's sort of coming to the realisation there is quite a lot of luck involved in tournament football and when the players seem to be continually improving and you've got guys like Jude Bellingham and Phil Foden getting better and better, it's there's a certain amount of luck you can't do much about and I think people are generally quite realistic but um, we'll have to see we'll have to see how the fallout continues I think Southgate survives though doesn't he? 
I think so. But again, it's a bit of a, um, if, if people start overvaluing friendlies and stuff like that, this is very much a tournament team that's built for tournaments. So if the upcoming games start dropping off a little bit, I think that's when people start asking questions. But as of now, I'd say, yeah, he definitely survived that. Um, let's have a look at the semis, Croatia, Argentina. Uh, you just talked about England have built a tournament team. That's what Croatia have done as well. They made the final last time. Um, they really do look a tournament team. They've uh, This will be their third meeting against Argentina in the World Cup. They've, they've drawn the series, if you like. Can Croatia get over the top of the, the more fancied Argentina? I think they can, yeah. I think, um, like you said, they're built for tournaments. The mentality is just extraordinary. I don't know if you followed the whole thing with um, Canada's coach, John Herdman. He said the slightest insult and the players just turned that into motivation. I think the everyone sort of focuses on Luka Modric, but I think all 26 players in the squad are just warriors. I think they're all desperate for this and um, I think they can do it. I think the the midfield, probably the best midfield left in the tournament, if not started the tournament and um, yeah, I think they can do it. It's going to be very interesting to see. It, like Croatia, we've just hit summer here in New Zealand and Croatia, they're like, uh, they hang around. They're a bit like a fly at the barbecue. You just can't get rid of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. They just hang and hang and hang. And eight of Croatia's, I saw the stat this morning, eight of Croatia's last nine games and knockout games have gone to extra time. They're painful. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. It's sort of, um, I think, again, I think it's a mentality. I think it's, Modric is sort of, I think leading from captain Leeds and I think they've got, they've sort of developed this Real Madrid mentality of we're, <laughs> we're better than you. I think there's a bit of England struggled a little bit with that against France. It's sort of, it was an even match, but I don't think all the players completely felt like they were better than France. Whereas I think Modric managed to instill that in guys like guys who we, most of us have never even heard of. He talks about Livakovic. He was having meetings with Modric saying, Modric was telling him, why are you getting down for having a bad game? It doesn't matter. We all make mistakes. And I think they've all just... They know it's 90 minutes. Well, for them, 120 minutes most of the time. And, yeah, they're just going to keep going until the end. Yeah, you brought up 120 minutes. They've done it twice. They beat um, Japan and Brazil by penalties in Qatar. Could fatigue be a factor? Uh, I think possibly. I think the bigger factor is going to be them being a bit light up up top. I know Bruno Pekovic scored last game, but he does look a little bit weak. But I think... I think they're good at conserving and I think the midfield three, Modric, Brozovic and Kovacic, they don't really run out of energy. So it's going to be if Argentina can match that. I think Brozovic is running about 16 kilometres a game at the moment, which is just ridiculous. So I don't know. I feel like they're so prepared for this. Mm. (laughs) It's going to be very, very interesting to see that semi. And I think everyone's unanimous on what an all-time player uh, Lionel Messi is, but he's not what he was. He's still very, very good. Is there a need for Argentina to find an attack outside of Messi because he seems to just be their go-to? I think for this tournament, I would say it's actually about supplementing him. I think the reason they've got a bit better as it's gone on is they might not necessarily have like 
Champions League winning level players across the squad, but they've got players who sort of are adapting and knowing how to get the best out of Messi. I think the Netherlands game in particular, he almost didn't have to do any running. He just had to get the ball in the right space and everyone else does the heavy lifting. So yeah, definitely going forward, it's got to be a process of moving into the future. But I think against Croatia, it's going to be, we've got to shut Modric, Brozovic, Kovacic out and let Leo have the ball where he can do some damage. And they seem to be getting to the point where they're learning that. But yeah, that, I think that's going to be why it's very interesting. Then we go Morocco, France. And I guess if you looked at a a non-fiction journal, it would say France will win. But if you look at a fairy tale journal, uh, Morocco will win. Yeah. The whole world's behind Morocco. Th- this is an incredible matchup. A matchup that these two haven't played each other for 15 years. What a story, Morocco. Yeah, I think I think the tragedy is if France win to an extent, because I think all three stories are great. If Morocco win, it's just unbelievable. If Croatia win, a country with three million people, it's also incredible. If Argentina win and Messi does something, that ends the greatest of all time argument for a lot of people. So I think France might be a little bit of a disappointment if they get there, but um, I mean, yeah, the Morocco are just astonishing. Like you said, on paper, it's um, it's probably already decided. And I think what's a little bit concerning is the Moroccan injuries. So we're going to have to see what happens when the lineup comes out on Wednesday. Yeah, the thing about Morocco, they've only conceded one goal the whole tournament against this yeah. fearsome attacking duo that France have got. It's the, it's the what do they say, the unstoppable force against the irrepressible or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the matchup, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think um, it definitely is. And then it's what happens at the other end as well. I think if they can stop them, which... I think you could argue England did and also I didn't think France were amazing against Poland. Obviously, in the end, it looked reasonably comfortable but there, there's problems there and I think at the other end, obviously, the Morocco defence is astonishing but um and Teo Hernandez, I think they can both definitely be got at so if they manage to stop and there's a chance for a counter, yeah, we, we could see something pretty special. There's hope. I think, like you said, everyone's backing them. Mm. Um, talking to Connor Andrews from Talk Sport up in the Northern Hemisphere. Finally, um, is is it a case in both semi-finals that the two underdogs, Croatia and Morocco, would be happy to go extra time and penalties, and we might just see quite a full backfield from those two, and just they'll take the coin flip? I think that's probably going to be the case with Morocco. I think it's one player suspended and four. A- like big injury doubts. So I think 100% with Morocco. But I think Croatia is going to be interesting to see. I think this has been quite a midfield-heavy tournament. And I think if we get to the point where Modric, Brozovic and Kovacic are running things, they might get a feeling that Argentina are a little bit scared and go for the jugular, which could make things quite exciting. So, yeah, it could start off KG, but maybe we'll see a different Croatia. All right. Pick the final and then the result of the final. I'm really really concerned we're going to get a repeat of the last one and it could even end up the same score, but I'm going to say... I'm going to say Messi wins it, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I think think France are better. I think Argentina are better set up to beat France and once they get there, it's 
it's just destiny, isn't it? These things, these things, these things always have to happen in the end. Yeah, they do. They do. Hey, Connor, love chatting to you today. Um, enjoy the semis and the final. It's been a wonderful tournament. Uh, I'm only sorry that uh, both your team, England, and your girlfriend's team, Germany, haven't quite uh, <laughs> haven't quite made it. But neutrality is still important, and you can still enjoy it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think with the teams left, we're all going to have we're all going to have fun the next few days. I think. Brilliant, Connor. Thanks so much, buddy. Thank you, mate. It's great. Cheers. Mike on. Mike on. Just cleaning up a few of the text messages of uh, punishing athletes. Magnus Carlson. I thought he was one of the world's strongest men, but um, Captain K tells me he's the chess player with vibrating ceramic implements that helped him play chess, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Steffi, what about Michael Clark? Seems like a very average person, even worse commentator, cheers, Aaron, and flowing on from that. All the Aussie cricket commentators so hard to listen to when they're playing the Black Caps. Does my head in. Anthony Rotorua, kia ora. Steph, Maro Atoji and Kyle Sinclair <laughs> after the World Cup medal snub. Also, I think the English football team did the same thing after losing the Euro funnels. I don't know. Might be something about being English and finishing second. <laughs> Another one for Serena Williams. I know she was a champ, but the way she acted in the last part of her career was hard to watch, and it rubbed me up the wrong way. Um, didn't want her to get another major, so she didn't end up with Margaret Court. Margaret Court. Now, she was snubbed by Australia, wasn't she, with her um, stance on a few things. Um, <laughs> but Anthony says, I wouldn't punch Serena in the face, though. It's not, it hasn't got that bad. Um and then he carries on and says, I'd get the feeling if I did, she'd own me anyway. <laughs> yes. Uh, Chris, number of texts about the Shane Warne tribute. What a tribute to a great man. Well done, guys. March was terrible as we also lost Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters. Both those de- deaths left me pretty stunned. Can't wait for the next few moments. Yep, Chris, we got another moment for you. Um, just after three o'clock, just in about, just over an hour's time, we'll have... Moment number seven. Moment number seven. Also, in the next hour, just so you know what's coming, we've got draft day coming up straight after two o'clock news. Me, Captain K, and Sammy go at it, try and pick our team of five beaches each, the best beaches in New Zealand. There's a lot of stealing and poaching goes on between beaches. They stole my top two picks of food duos last week, but I've got first pick this week. I've got first pick. And then we'll compile a list of five each of the best beaches. Any suggestions? Text them through. Tampa Bay Post text machine. Double eight double three. Suggestions of best best beaches. Captain K said he needs a hand in that degree. <laughs> he doesn't know north from south. Um, and then we're going to catch up with Jamie Tout from uh, the New Zealand uh, CIS. Uh, that is where Sweden will be based for the FIFA Women's World Cup. And also Kate Heffernan, who won the fans' favourite netballer of the year. She'll be joining us at about 2.30 and after that will be The Vault. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SCNZ. Show me a piece of your heart A piece of your love Calling you up to get down, down, down The way that we touch is never enough I'm turning you up to get down, down Show me a piece of your heart, a piece of your love I'm 
Sorry, just quickly. What if it's da 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 down 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 da 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 Right, we are back. We are back. Um, Staffy, Shane Warne came, he starred and he went. He was not one to live in old age. He was a star. He was a true down-under legend from Dino. I concur. I do concur. Uh, we'll get back to the Tampa Bear post-text machine. In good time, do always welcome them, double eight, double three. Um, you're on Afternoons with Staffy. We're going to do the Tuesday draft very shortly, but it's a big thank you to Gull. Gull.nz is where you go to find your local outlet. And if you're going away on holiday with a road trip, save yourself a few coins and fuel up at Gull. A beautiful little self-serve drive-in. Fuel up, get out. What does that stand for? Drive-in, D-I, uh, fill up, F-U, Difu, get out. Difugo. Drive in, fuel up and get out with Gull. Uh, the champions that d- join us every day, 12 till 4. It's time for the Tuesday Draft. There's no natural part in that song to start talking because it's so busy. And I see we have Same H. Same H on the Anywhere link. Same Oh, it's Sammy H. It says Same H. Sammy, welcome in. Gentlemen, gentlemen. What was that that little acronym there? Defigo. Yeah. Drive in, fuel up, get out. Defugo. He didn't like it. He didn't like it. No comment. No comment. All right, Sammy. Uh, Well done on the Shane Warne thing. Um, Engineering Supreme. Is he gone? Have we got you there, Sam? I'm there. No, I'm here. Okay. We're talking to you and you're not answering. No, mate. I loved loved your Defigo. I said I'm going to Defigo this afternoon in the Demio. Oh, the Demio. 20 bucks to fill. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Exactly. 20 bucks to fill and it's gone in 10 minutes. Yeah. That's it. Righto, Sammy. Um... I think the batting order is me, Sam, Captain K. That's thumbs up from Captain K. So these are the top five beaches in New Zealand. I'll kick us off. I will kick us off. Number one in my team. I know what you're going to go. Do you? Yeah, I do. Well, it helps. Does it begin with O? Yes. I went there for 10 years years on holiday, and it's a spiritual home of my holidayness. It is a Hopi beach. Yeah, big, that's, a, that's, a, that's a strong first pick. You know, touted, a lot of the scouts touted him early staff, to be fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, of course, I think we all had him on our list. But uh, sad to see him go first. Um, well, my second favourite, um, beautiful, quaint little beach. Um, nice little town. Sort of, It's not really a town, but nice, um, I guess, landscape in terms of the houses, a little dairy there as well. Give me Ha Hey. 
Give me Hahe with a nice golden sand and a beautiful um, clear water and a, and a nice break of the waves as well. I think there's a reserve right next to it, not far from Cathedral Cove. Um, I'm happy to get that number one. Very good. Love it. Cathedral. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Hahe, yes. Mm, decent. Look, all right. Captain K. It is my turn. Look, uh, I'm from out west, as many of you know. No kidding. Cap on backwards, sunglasses inside. <laughs> yeah, right. Sammy, you mentioned uh, the great golden beaches. Uh, I'm going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum here. For my first pick. A black closest, sand beach. The closest beach to my heart. Give me Muruwai. Muruwai. Okay. Uh, see, this, people are going to resonate People are going to resonate with that, Staff. But let's be honest. There's nothing good about a, a black sand beach. It's just well, oh, Sammy's just got sensitive toes, doesn't he? Yes. I don't mind a black sand beach. Although looking down my list, they haven't got any. Um, okay, I'm going number two. I'm going to number two. Now, before we went to holidays at a Hopi beach, everyone knows, city of my birth is Gisborne. I'm going to Makarori Beach in Gisborne with a three-header rock outside the orange house we used to stay in. Makarori Beach, magnificent. My number two. Sammy. He keeps dropping I off. I think eh? we've lost him a little bit there. Yeah, I think he's dropped off. Keep talking, Sam, and we'll tell you when we can hear you. It's cow cop, eh? Yeah. That's what, oh, and no, he's just, just dropped off the line, so that's fair enough. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll get him back on the line. Uh, lovely beach to staff. How many, uh, how many times did you visit? McElroy, we went there from when I was about six years old until my auntie and uncle, who lived at McElroy Beach, they left and um, relocated over to Perth. So till I was about 13... And then we switched to a Hopi because we didn't have the batch state. We went caravan at a Hopi. Sammy, are you back? I am. And now we had this problem the last time I tried to come in via internet. Hutchie, if you're listening, mate, bit of internet out here wouldn't go amiss. I can do my job <laughs> a lot better with a, with a Starlink or, or you know, some sort of high-speed fibre. Um, I felt like I was robbed of a few points there as well, Steph. I was trying to explain why I didn't like the black sand, but I feel like all you heard was no one likes black sand. That's all we heard. But we're moving That's on. All you yeah, we need your number two okay. now. We need your number okay. two. Yeah, we'll move on. We'll move on. I'm not happy about it. We'll move on. Um, ooh, long list. Long list of good beaches here. Um, look, I'm doing this one for brownie points. Give me the mount yeah. for brownie points. Um, it's going to get the popular vote. Um, no, do not. I love it as much as some of the other ones? Of course not. But I'm going to please the fans. Um, it's going to sell tickets to the stadium. So give me, give me the mount. You can have the mount. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was. Uh, I actually had that uh, up for my next pick, but it wasn't this one. Uh, just a short and sharp, quick one. Another one close to my heart. Give me Matarangi. Oh, yeah. Nice call. Nice call. Good beach. Uh, Good beach. My number three is Kaiteriteri. Top of the South Island. You want Golden Beach? You go to Kaiteriteri. Mm. That's my number three. Ah, see. Interesting. I had Tartar Beach on mine, which is also in the Golden Bay area. Um but it's a strong pick. And, and, and good for you going for the South, Steph, because the North Line's going to get a lot of love, I feel, in this uh, in this draft. So good mm-hmm. on you for uh, shouting out the South. Um, look, it's a favourite of mine, Steph. Go there every New Year's Christmas. It is a wonderful beach. And at this stage, still a little bit quiet. Not as busy as some of your more mainstream beaches. Give me Matapuri, um, just northeast of Whangarei. Okay. Um, beautiful golden sand once again, clear water, and a beautiful little bay. So give me Matapuri number three. Is it against the rules if I take a bay? Take a bay. All right, I'm going to take a bay. This take one was bay. actually go, uh, go with a bay. This one was texted in actually, but I have been there on multiple occasions, and it sparked my memory of my childhood. Yeah, I'll take my Thai bay. 
Oh, yes. Now, that is magnificent, Mai Tai Bay. Is that up north? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Near Kerry. It's beautiful. Far north. Beautiful. Yep. Okay, we're running out of time. I'll go straight to my number four. <clears throat> and guess what? I'm going south again. A hidden Kerry gem. Me. A hidden gem. Taylor's mistake. Just over the Nobby Hill of Christchurch. First time I went there, I was like, how haven't I heard about this? Taylor's mistake all day. Magnificent. Christchurch oh, people. You're, you're a populist, Mark. You're an absolute populist. No. He's just, he's just he's a catchment. He's just going for the whole country. No. He's trying to pull in the whole country. Uh, quick run for you, number four. Uh, always ranked in the top beaches of New Zealand, both internationally and domestically. Uh, give me new chums. Give me new chums. Nice. nice little tucked away one. It's mm. secretive behind a, behind a little path uh, hitting into the hills. So, uh, yeah, love it. All about it. New chums number four. Look, I've decided to stay true to me. It's all I've done for my picks. Give me Piha. Nice and simple. Just give it to me. You've got it. I'll give it. Give it here. He's with the black sand, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, gosh, I've got three left on my list. Which one do I go? I will go to Faranui. Again, up the north. Uh, the blessed with oh, beaches. You mean... You mean Tofaranui, yes. Yeah. Hard to get to though, Steph. It is. Logistically. I don't mind a little bit of adventure in my beach hop. Uh, but I'm talking parking, you know, I'm talking gravel roads, one way. It's messy. It's messy. But what a treat when you get there. I tell you what, I've got three left. I'm gonna I'm gonna go head to head with you in the Golden Bay region, Steph, and I'm gonna put Tata Beach in there. Okay. Um, Tata Beach in the Golden Bay, just so I can go toe-to-toe with you, uh, top of the South Island, uh, needed something from the South as well, so Tata Beach. There you go. And last one for Captain K? Last one. I, I've left this one for last because I knew none of you would take it because, like you said, hidden gem. Spent all my childhood here. Uh, 15 years we've been going to this place, Oakura Bay. Oh. Taranaki. Where's that? Nah, nah, it's up north. Oakura oh, Bay. Never... Yeah, Oakura. Oh. Yeah, that's the one. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. All right, there Fanaruru. they are. Uh, we have to quickly go. Thank you, Sam. We'll talk again. We'll see you tomorrow. Sure. Um, we, have to, right. we have to scoot off. Uh, we'll compile those lists. We'll read it out after the news, perhaps. Um, but we do have to get away because we've got a very important chat. Coming up after the break, Jamie Tout from NZTIS. They are a massive sporting organisation now down there in Upper Hutt. And they are hosting Sweden for the FIFA Women's World Cup. He will be here after the break. Well, FIFA made an announcement yesterday of the venues in New Zealand that were going to be used during the Women's World Cup next year, and it's an exciting moment for a a complex that I've been to quite a few times, and boy, it's impressive. And joining us now is, oh gosh, don't know the title, I'll call him the big cheese of NZCIS down there in um, Wellington in Upper Hutt to be exact. Jamie Tout joins us. Jamie, welcome in. G'day, Steph. How are you, mate? Very good. Good news yesterday. I guess you knew that it was coming, but it's all official now to be part of FIFA Women's World Cup. Yeah, how good, mate. It's going to be an awesome event, and we're super stoked with where it's landed. And really excited to, to welcome the uh, the Swedish team into the, into the camp, mate. It's uh, great news. One of the times I was down there earlier this year, I think FIFA were about to come and do an inspection. What do they inspect and what do you need, uh, what goals do you need to meet to satisfy them that your complex is up to standard? Yeah, Steph, we had 12 visits uh, in the end and that was spread across different parts of the campus. So we're not just a training site for the, um, for the FIFA Women's World Cup. What we've got here is something a little bit more unique. So we'll have a team, the Swedish team, staying with us on campus. Uh, all their team will stay, their management and everyone else will stay on site as well as train on site. So during those inspections, we had people coming here that were inspecting the fields, making sure we could 
maintain those fields during the tournament to the to the high standards that they need. Uh, we know that the as an example, the grass level sits between twenty three and twenty seven millimeters. We have to be making sure we're on point with that. Uh, they wanted to make sure that the uh, the mechanical and maintenance uh, that we had in place was going to be suffice. We had people inspecting the accommodation. Uh, we had people inspecting the rest of the facility. So that's things like your media spaces, your uh, meeting rooms, your change rooms. Uh, the change rooms for us has just been a massive thing, and we're really excited to be able to set a, what we believe will be a new standard in how change rooms have been designed as well. So, yeah, it's, um, it's significant, the amount of work that goes into it. I think it was a – well, I know it was. I read it twice a 76-page document to say that we wanted an agreement, not that we had an agreement, just that we wanted to have one. <laughs> and then um, and there was a series of appendices after that, mate. So, yeah, very, very detailed. So what was the feedback from FIFA after their visits? We had uh, eight teams in total that come across the, the site, and uh, eight teams were from the various nations sent representatives after the draw. So the draw took place um, in October up in Auckland, and during the, uh, that, there was 70 to 80 people stay on and look at the various venues around Australia and New Zealand to make a decision on where their preference would be to base themselves. Now, the preferences uh, had an order to it as well, and it started off with how many games you played in your lo- in, in the local su- in the local town. So, Sweden has got uh, multiple games here in Wellington, so they had a high priority, as well as being the um, third-ranked football team in the world at the moment. So they had a, a preference to be with us, as did what we understand other teams had as well, but they had the, um, the, the inside rail, if you like. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really a process then of um, them walking around, and I think some of the comments that they had were they saw NZCIS as being the NASA of, uh, of sports facilities, which was pretty cool feedback. And I know the uh, the Spanish team as well said, "Look, we've never found that perfect facility, but this is this is pretty much it for us." And they they would have loved to have stayed here as well, by all accounts. It might sound like a weird question, but you pointed to the changing rooms as something you're pretty proud of. So I just want to investigate that. Isn't a changing room a changing room, mate? So I think in the well, how long has it been? So I think 2006. So I was the first S and C at the Pulse, and uh, as you know, I spent a lot of time with the Black Ferns, and I think every change room I went into during that time. There was a bunch of urinals, and then one minute before the game, or the athletes were due to run out, uh, it was just a queue of people lining up for the toilet, which is maybe one or two of them, and there's, whole, there's four or six urinals there can't be used. And it's things like that that get pretty frustrating when you're trying to pre- prepare athletes for high performance, and they're worried about, can I get to the bathroom in time before I have to go out in the field? Or it's, uh, do we have the, the ability to be gender neutral? And so we've done a lot of little things that we hopefully will make a big difference. And it's things like having shower doors that go floor to ceiling or thereabouts so we can have uh, males and females if we had to in the same space. We've got parent rooms. We've got medical and physio areas inside the change rooms. We've got dedicated recovery facilities inside the change rooms. And they're they're just big, big spaces. So the one the Swedish team will be using during the World Cup also doubles up as a team room or analysis room with a big screen at the front and it can be used for not just the change room, it's uh, it's much more than that, and we're we're stoked. I think it's going to be a, a really um, cool point of difference that uh, hopefully others can look at and say, yeah, they've they've got that right, and and hopefully it sets a a new way we design change rooms. And the other cool thing about the NZCIS, and and I think I'd be right. Well, it's my guess that it's the first time it's happened in New Zealand. You've got a number of teams all based and domiciled 
in the one space, like the Hurricanes, the Wellington Lions, the Central Pulse. I've seen Special Olympics bank visits out there as well. So um, the people that are based there, they must be excited that they're going to get some Swedish uh, flatmates in this amazing complex of yours. Oh, mate, look, absolutely. I'm standing here at the moment just watching out onto the indoor field and I've got the, the Hurricanes working in four pods I'm looking at the moment. They've got... Uh, a skills-based unit session over there, run, catch, pass. with the line-out trials in one area. They're doing some speed testing in another. Got some guys looking at the big screen over here, looking at um, some, some drills they've just completed. And what's exciting about that is that they've now got an environment that lends itself to collaboration. And you see now the Hurricanes men have been in the gym at the same time as the Wellington Women's Phoenix. Um, so just, just bumping shoulders, sharing ideas. They're all here for a common goal, and that's to be better. Um, and the fact that the, the Swedish women team is coming in as well, uh, being a, a real, whether well, a top four side and have been for a long time, uh, them coming in, there'll be learnings going both ways. And that, that's pretty cool. And the, the real encouraging thing is a lot of these athletes that we're seeing come into the facility now have played a role in how the facility has been designed. And it's the likes of uh, the set of hidden knees of the world um, and Kendra Coxage, when you talk to them about how they want to train, how they want to stay when they're in accommodations and things like that, the change room design, they've played a significant role. So really uh, seeing it come to life now is wicked. Um, Friday, just gone, the Pulse and the Hurricanes did a, a spin class together in, uh, in our altitude cycling room. And in the past, that just couldn't happen. It didn't have the number of bikes, didn't have the space. And now that sort of thing can be facilitated, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and as you said, you've you've operated with high-performance athletes in New Zealand for a long, long time. You mentioned the Pulse, and for a long time with the Black Ferns. Um, I'm just thinking the mental freshness that is inadvertently provided by training alongside athletes from different sports. I see that as a good thing because, I, you know, I spend a lot of time up with the Hurricanes at Rugby League Park, and it's just the Hurricanes there, and it's the same people, and it's the same the same routines and, and you're always with the same people the the, the fresh pers- perspective you're going to get from training with netballers and football players it, it must be a good thing which will add to performance on the field well, I, I think so Steph I think it, it does create that freshness you talk about mate and your, your environment do change and sport the way it, it is now you are traveling a lot your, your environment changes constantly so I think getting out of your bubble and been able to sort of um, have those different conversations with different codes is, is, is amazing. I think sometimes too as well, you get used to what you know and you sort of walk around with the likes of, a, of an Artie Savier and you become used to being with Artie or TJ, but then you see someone from another code, whether it's David Ball or those guys, you think, geez, I'm in the same room as that person and they're at, they're at the top of their game. Um, so yeah, when Jackie Partia walks in here next year and she walking in the same footsteps as others. And I think both people will be standing a bit taller and just enjoying each other's company. I've been fortunate enough to go and have a look at the venue before a, a sod was turned, if you like. Um, from zero to 100%, where is uh, NTTIS sitting at the moment? I think staff would be fair to say we're sort of building a plane while we're still, uh, while it's in the air. So we're, um, <laughs> we're flying it and building it at the same time. Um, <laughs> Our, our number one field comes online in February next year. So that'll give us our four outdoor fields. Uh, the new accommodations, there's 50 new apartments coming online in February. Uh, the Chiefs Manoa will be the first team, I believe, to come into that um, for a game against the Poa, which is, which is pretty awesome. We've got four new change rooms coming online in May, and they'll be the ones that'll be ready for the FIFA Women's World Cup. 
The foundation member change rooms opened uh, last week for the most part, and things like the analysis rooms and the landscaping and so forth will take place between now and sort of quarter two next year. So I think by quarter two next year, mate, we'll be in a pretty good space. Um, there are It's an 18-hectare site, so there's going to be things going on for the next 12 months. But, yeah, we're in an awesome space, mate. The, it's just so good seeing a lot of yellow jerseys walking around uh, the Phoenix and the Hurricanes. Um, just brings a lot of life to the place. And what's the feedback been? I mean, you've mentioned David Ball, you've mentioned Adi Savia. What's the feedback been from these guys at the top of their game in New Zealand about the facility? Well, I think what's uh, what's cool is yeah, we see uh, the boys talking about it being like a big US university complex. And they, they like the fact that it's, it's well connected. You can walk from your change room into the gym, from the gym into your indoor field. Uh, your coach and your analysis staff are, are on site. The commercial team is uh, is on site as well. So I think it's creating good connections across the business. If, um, the European guys coming out and playing for the Phoenix, they've they've said, look, we've we've trained at the uh, some of the big EPL clubs, and and this is what they've got. This is and, it's, and in some cases more, and that's really encouraging, mate. Like the the process to get to where we got to has involved a lot of people uh, on the waka, including yourself, mate. You've been down here and provided feedback at different times and. Knowing you've got a lot of good people in the waka make it easy, but we've had uh, consults with Manchester United, Burnley FC, Paris Saint-Germain, and not all the ideas we've been fed back have been able to be put in place or not always relevant either, but hopefully we've taken some um, some good from a lot of those teams and we've now got some of those teams looking back at us. And uh, I was over in Melbourne last week with the Melbourne AFL side, the Demons, and it looks like they're coming over at some point in the new year, just to have a look at the facility concept and they're building a new one at the moment. So it's great to be able to share back as well. Awesome. Now, I would encourage people to go and have a look. You do some awesome stuff with drones and, and, your, and you film your progress. Where's the best singular point where people can go and have a look at this complex? Because I can't reiterate enough how, how impressive it, uh, it is. So people outside uh, all around New Zealand, where's the best place to go and have a look? Mate, we're chucking up a, a fair bit of content uh, currently on Facebook and Instagram. So if you look us up on, on both those two platforms or LinkedIn, it's a good place to start. Um, we haven't put a lot of energy into the website just yet, but it's a, it's a work in progress. But certainly on social, uh, Instagram, NZCIS underscore, or New Zealand Campus of Innovation and Sport on Facebook or LinkedIn, and they'll, they'll see us, mate. But yeah, it's exciting times, and it's, it's really just awesome to see the, the players walking around the corridors and enjoying the place. Yeah, well, congratulations on getting the tick from FIFA. Um, the hard taskmasters, they're exacting people, they require excellence, and it sounds like they're more than impressed. And, uh, well, to have Sweden uh, domiciled there for the FIFA Women's World Cup, um, that's a big pat on the back to you and the crew there at NZCIS, mate. Uh, delightful news. No, thanks, Dad. Look, we're really stoked, mate. We can't wait to welcome the team on, and we'll be doing everything we can to, to make them successful during the World Cup. And, at the same stage, we are wish the football fans all the best as well. So, good times. Jamie Tout there from NZCIE. So, do go and have a look on Instagram and Facebook and, and take it in. I mean, it's, it's such an impressive site. We thank Jamie for his time. It's time now for new sport and weather. Welcome back into the afternoons. We've just gone 2.30 and it's a great pleasure to bring in the fan favourite, the netball fan favourite, 
as voted for by the fans. As the title suggests, uh, at the Netball Awards last night, Kate Heffernan from the Steel, from the Silver Ferns, joins us. G'day, Kate. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. How are you on the back of being voted by the fans? There's no there, there, there's no doubt the fans said you're the favourite fern of the year. That That's amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so I feel like it's quite a weird award to get um, when people have been congratulating me because it's the fans have voted, but I guess that is quite special. And I, um, yeah, it is quite cool. I was definitely really surprised. Um, but no, it is a really cool award to get, so I am really grateful. Because netball fans, they are into it. They they know the rules, they know the players, they're very engaged at the games. I mean, the fans down in Southland, down in Invercargill where you play are just mental crazy for for, net, for netball. So it must just um, fluff you up that um, the people that come and watch you week in, week out, watch you on the tally and all of that, they, they actually recognise how much you love the game as well. Yeah, we are so lucky um, down here in the South. We've got the most amazing fans um, and they're so passionate and um, win or lose, the, they back your 100. So it is um, pretty cool. And it's, um, it is, yeah, it's a cool award to get. And I think, um, yeah, just super lucky to have like, amazing uh, family and friends and people down in the South that um, I know would have been um, voting. So it is really cool. And twin sister Georgia won the Aspiring Silver Fern Award as well. And former Silver Fern, your mum, she must be pretty proud of you two. Yeah, mum was really excited. I think um, we're also proud of G. Um, she's had a really, really un- like an unreal year coming back from um, injury. So it's just really cool seeing her get this recognition and getting um, like national kind of opportunities and showing what she's got and... Um, it means a lot to her and she it does work really hard. So it's just really cool seeing her get um, a bit of recognition and it does mean a lot to her. Is there any sibling rivalry in a healthy way that that you help each other and push each other? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> We're each other's biggest supporters, but there's obviously <laughs> always, um, we push each other too. Um, but I think we're lucky we've never been in the same position. Um, and in every sport we've done, we've sort of done different, slightly different things. So we've never been um, fully against each other so I think it's definitely been more of a supportive um, just the kind of role but we're, there's definitely we're definitely competitive and so we push each other which is quite, um, I think it's definitely helps us too. And you're, you're best known I guess as, as a wing defence and she's best known as a shooter so that makes for amazingly entertaining training situations <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Yeah <laughs> Yeah, we grew up playing. Um, she was always the shooter, and I was more centre. And then I've more moved um, towards wing D and centre. I guess um, as I've come, like I'm a bit older. So yeah, we. I always fed the ball to her, and she was always turning and shooting. And it's quite funny that those positions have stuck since the um, since we started when we were young. So um, it is pretty funny to think we're still in those positions. And you're a great story that you came through the Beko League, which is the tier underneath the Premiership. Then you you joined the Southern Steel. Um, you were a replacement for Danny Gray when she got injured and you were covered for mm-hmm. Shannon Saunders and the great Wendy Fruit. Like, Wendy is just one yeah. of the greats in netball. How cool to be Absolutely. embarking on an ANZ Premiership with Wendy Fruit and your setup? Yeah, I... Um 
remember when I first came in as a training partner, I was first year out of school and um, they'd just won the year before. Um, so they were ANZ champs and there was Wendy through Gina, Shannon, just all these amazing, um, amazing athletes, but then also amazing leaders. So they were all just helped me so much. Um, I think I, me and Georgia, we were both there and we were able to just sit and watch and just, um, just watch firsthand on what it takes to be a netballer, I guess. And so I think, um, looking back, we were so lucky we had those girls to learn from and kind of, they just, they really helped us out. Um, and yeah, very lucky when we look back. And finally, uh, we're talking to Kate Heffernan, the fan favourite netball player. You you were named into the Silver Ferns in 2021 at the same time as a good mate of yours, Tiana Matudo. You'd played two games of international cricket for New Zealand before that. And when you made your debut, I was thinking, I wonder how the occasion's going to to get to Kate when, when you started in that black dress. But you looked quite comfortable. I know you're probably packing yourself. But did previous international mm-hmm. experience in another sport help with that transition onto the netball court in the black dress? Yeah, I think so. Um, man, there's so much that I've brought from cricket into my netball. Um it's it's crazy that there's such different sports that they both complement each other so much and um, I think it did help and I think I was lucky I played um, Cadbury Series against the men in New Zealand A and I'd played in the Ferns, like with the Ferns girls quite a bit, but just not in the international game. Mm. So by the time I got around to um, the Commonwealth Games and I was debuting, I was all, I was just so like, I just wanted to get my first cap done. I was like, okay, this is my, um, I time to actually get to call myself. I can call myself a soil fern now because I've been a couple of years in the mix and I hadn't um, had an international opportunity, but I've been lucky enough to get so many others. So I think um, having those opportunities with the ferns and Cadbury series, but then also um, being around the white ferns and learning a lot there, I think it definitely helped me um, have a smoother transition. Yeah, and Dame Knowles, she's a master at um, holding you back, holding you back, holding you back, unleash, mm-hmm. and then you're ready to go in your fire. And yeah. uh, you've performed so well in the black dress. You, you just look a natural out there. I've enjoyed following your your journey through through the ANZ Premiership into the Silver Ferns, and you're a really important part of it. And uh, as, as a netball fan, I feel a little bit more secure when you're on there. Um, the, competi- <laughs> the competition's coming for you, though. Karen Berger, she's on the way back, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's always competition, man. The mid court, you can't relax. No, you, you cannot. You can't relax, so it's um, which is exciting and makes it um, super competitive. Yep, great bunch of great bunch of women that we have representing us for the ferns mm-hmm. and, and the and the ANZ Premiership as well. It's a wonderful sport. Hey, Kate, massive congratulations from all of us here. Uh, richly deserved. Enjoy your Christmas and New Year, and can't wait to see you back out on court next year. Awesome. Thank you very much. This year's Kate Heffernan, uh, Southern Steel, and uh, the Silver Ferns, the fan favourite of the year. Rich Lee is a wonderful player for for someone so young. Um, just, yeah, watch her. She's just so composed. Looks like she's been there forever. Anyway, we have to have a break. On the other side of the break, it's the vault. 0800 150 811. A brand new vault. It's not too hard. 0800 150 811. Seven questions. One answer. Can you crack the vault? Oh, it's a brand new vault. It's a brand new vault. And it's funny, you know, we had $500, $450, $400. 
And as soon as we said ring the vault, 10 calls. Instantly. Today, six. Because it's 100. It's still 100! And it's not very hard. Captain K, spin the wheel. You can only put six on the wheel now, so spin it. Give me a (laughs) sec. Number four, which... Sorry, let me have a look. It's Hamish. Hamish, are you there? Hamish from Matara. Hello. G'day, Hamish. How are you going, mate? Oh. Yeah, not bad. Hamish, have you got us on speaker by chance? No, I'm outside. Okay. No, that sounds better now, actually. Right, gotcha. you get seven questions. They have to be yes-nos, and then you have a guess for $100 TRB bonus <laughs> bet. Question number one is what? Is it in the Southern Hemisphere? No. No. Okay, that's Northern Hemisphere, game. Okay. Is it in Europe? Europe. No. No. Is it a team sport? It is. Yes. Oops, team sport, yes. Team sport. Is it Olympic sport? Team sport. It is. Oh, this is quick fire. I'm loving this. <laughs> <laughs> Olympic. Oh, I'm hardly keeping up with them. I'm writing them down. Olympic sport. Is it an Olympic sport? Yes. Now, don't get... Is I, it to I, do... I don't know the answer here, but don't don't yeah. fall into the trap of the last one thinking it was something at the Olympics. It might be, but because it's an Olympic sport, doesn't necessarily mean it's at the Olympics. Yeah, I know. Okay. Is it to do with rugby sevens at, in Europe and one of the Northern Hemisphere Olympic sports venues during the Olympic history? Say all that again? <laughs> just get that again, Hamish, if you wouldn't mind. Is it a seven, the rugby sevens in the Olympic arena, uh, venues in the Northern Hemisphere since the history's been gone? Rugby seven histories and gun. Very Olympics. detailed, but unfortunately, no. No, okay, man, it's not. It's not rugby sevens. Two. How many le- questions have I answered? Sorry, you got two. two, two you got two more. I'm gonna. Is it in America? Is it in the USA? Kiz? It is in the USA. Yes. It, it just helps. Whoever's going to help for the next couple of answers, for the next couple of days, it might be easier. That's what it's about, okay. mate. That's what it's about. I'm going to give you a year. Is it between... 2000... Uh, sorry. Is it between... 1980s and 2000? Between 1980 and 2000. No. No, it is not. So guess what, Hamish from Matara? You have to have a wild guess. It is in the Northern Hemisphere, not in Europe. America. It's involving a team Olympic sport that's not sevens in America, and it's not between 1980 or 2000. Wow. I'm going to have a go. Is it... America winning in the US in ice hockey in 1976. All right. I like the guess. I like It's a very Sammy Hewitt guess, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll put it into the vault. We didn't actually lock away the audio today, but that's all right. I pre-locked it. Okay. So I'm going to punch it in here. Let's have a see if it comes through.
Bad luck, mate, I'm but you have, a, yep, you've made some good ground work. Yeah, you have definitely <laughs> helped out. Else a good chance. You sure have, yep. Hamish. Thank you for taking part. That was Hamish's seven questions. Good on you. Um, Thursday, five questions. Friday, three questions. Three questions. Three questions. And we keep going on Friday until you get it. We made some ground there. Hamish made some ground from Matara for you there. It's tricky to get underway. It I is. was shaking in my boots there, to be fair. A yeah. couple of those questions. I know. Yeah, I know. But no, look, yeah, Hamish did a good job there of just really getting it up the field, you know, so just give a little. So getting through all this, it's a, it's involving a team sport that is an Olympic sport that is not Rugby Sevens and it's in America and it's either before 1980 or after 2000. I'll he's, tell you what. He's like, taken a big 20-year chunk yeah. out of it for you. Like, I'll tell you what, I, I actually have a lot of uh, resignation with Sammy at the moment. I understand now why he doesn't like giving away the answers. When you said about the Olympic sport, I started jumping, and I was like, no, you can't, you can't say that because it's like giving something away. So now I understand when you're like, oh, Sam doesn't like people giving out clues <laughs> and stuff. I know why now, now that I've had to pick it. But no, well, it's good, just good because, because it was a trap. Because, because I'll give you an example. So, um, Olympic sport, Olympic sport. Uh, let's say rowing is an Olympic sport, right? So, if they say is it an Olympic sport, and our answer is Mahi Drysdale winning the world champs, but people are starting to think it's Mahi Drysdale at the Olympics. It is an Olympic sport, but Olympic sports are played elsewhere as well. So, I was just saying, don't fall into trap. I don't know what it is. But we'll find out if you guys do. Uh, we'll take a break and we shall return before too long. Uh, Captain K, we did our um, draft day Tuesday and we picked our five favourite beaches each. We we steal a little bit off each other, but it's just one pick round Let's, robin. Yeah. Give us the five from each uh, participant, please. Let's go through it. Team Staff, Ohopi Beach, Makarori Beach, Kaiteriteri, Taylor's Mistake and Tawharanui. Strong. Team Sam, Hahe, Mount Monganui, Manapuri, New Chums, and Tata Beach. And the best one, no, nah, that's very biased. Where's Captain New K. Chums? New Chums, uh, I've been there. I've been there. It's a hidden one. Coromandel? Saf, why are you asking me geography? Don't do oh, this. Oh, yeah, that's this. sorry. That's I just know. Yeah, okay. yeah, I didn't even get to read my team. Yeah, See, read cause it. Because you're scared, because I'm going to win. Read it. Murawai, Matarangi, Mai Tai Bay, and Piha. That's me. That's only four. Oakara, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I got away with that one. Come on, Southerners, vote for Staff. Staff, Captain K or Sammy? Who's got the best bunch of beaches? Who has it? Uh, coming up, three new sport and weather. We'll come back after this. from Ken. Ken, Staffy, sorry, but Captain K has the beaches and I'll be heading to one in nine days. 
I appreciate that. But just remember, in your words, it's not all about winning. It's not about winning. It's about what our favourite beaches are. And bringing awareness to mm. those beaches as well. Uh, Staffy, I hope you beach all day. Anthony Rotorua. Brendan, Staffy first. Sam second, Captain K third. Out of the 15, I've only been to two of them. Brendan. Oh, look, we are blessed with some wonderful coastline on New Zealand. And I actually, I nearly put Hokitika in there, to be perfectly honest, because I quite like a wild beach. My parents live on the west coast of the North Island. And I like the beaches down there for different reasons. Like the beautiful postcard beaches are pretty much the Coromandel and the far north, aren't they? Um, but I haven't been to many. Why he nearly made it, um, and I always get mixed up between Fidianga and Whangamata, I, whichever one's further south, I went to not long ago, actually, for my sister and my niece. Loved it. Loved it. Um, geez, the houses are expensive there, though. Had a, had a little bow peep at a real estate window and just went, see ya, see ya. But good loaded fries and a flat white. Um, staff, after watching the third umpire butcher Shaquille's dismissal last night, I had an idea for a list. The worst television umpiring decisions of all time. I reckon there would be a few listeners keen to vent. <laughs> My nom- nomination would be Nigel Long's baffling decision to give Nathan Lyon not out court to Mitch Sandner in 2015. When they went to the hotspot technology, Long said, there's a mark on the bat, but that could have come from anywhere. I remember that now. If only Long had used his iometer, he would have seen Lyon hitting the cover off it. Yeah, I remember that. There was a big hot spot, and they said, oh, yeah, there's a big white spot on the bat. Yeah, but that could have come from anywhere. It came from the ball. I do remember that, Nathan. But it's funny, you know, refereeing decisions, um, we are so hot on it until tomorrow. And <laughs> it's gone. Remember the, I remember the Geordie Barrett, was it red card when he went up for a jump and his foot was out? Um, that was hot topic. Sonny Bill Williams' red card, Scott Barrett's red card, a lot of red cards and stuff in rugby. And then it's just gone because then there'll be another one. Um, but cool. Um, who's this? Linda. Wainui Beach, Gisborne. Yes, I like that. That's Makarori's neighbour. A little bit much of a rip at Wainui for me as a swimmer. Um, Ahopi. Yes. Cook's Beach. Yes. Takaha, Hicks Bay and Tolaga Bay. Magnificent Tolaga Bay. And so is Andrew. Buzz. Yes, I know Andrew. So he doesn't get grumpy. His beach is Whangamata. That's Linda with her green and white eye patch on, but also an East Coast fan. <laughs> good on you, Linda. Have a good Christmas, you and Andrew. Uh, guys, beaches. What I love about this one is that for each person, thinking about your favourite beach triggers such an emotional response in a good way. My favourite place in all the world would be Tōtaranui Beach in Golden Bay. It refills my soul, and when I finally shuffle off this mortal coil, my ashes will be spread into that beautiful ocean. Mikey... My father's wishes are Tokamaru Bay ashes, actually. And my sister and I went back to a Hopi beach probably 20 years since we had last been there. We went and stood on the beach in front of where our caravan and our awning used to be, like right there. And it was as if we hadn't left. And the memories, the, the innocent teenage memories that we had of going to the gourmet butcher and getting our sausages, which was right next to our, our camp, and um, barbecuing them up. Me and Dad were driving our feet into the sand to get pippies and tuatua. 
and then the muscle farm down at Portahope, and you used to just dive in, and I'd come up with an armful, one dive, a feed for two or three days there. The Ahopi Fish and Chip Shop up on the right as you're heading out to Apodiki. Oh, I mean, the, the memories just come flooding back. The surf club, the market day down by the old church. That's why Ahopi was my number one, and, and I'm pleased, Mikey, because that's what... Um, that's what we were talking about. That's what we were doing. Was it awesome Whangamata? It probably was. If Whangamata is further south than Fitianga, because I always get the two confused, it was Whangamata I was at. I bet you guys haven't heard of Le Bons Bay Beach. I'm working here now. I put my hand up and say I've never heard of it. Never heard of it. Um, Jared, Le Bons Bay Beach. I'm going to move that text message to my little safe folder. I'm going to go and have a little look. Um... Staffy, I totally agree, they're all good. Isn't that Kaikoura Beach, just rocks? Went to a wedding there many years ago, and I'm thinking of something different. Cheers, Ken. Uh, Kaikoura's east coast, but it's a wonderful rocky beach as well. Um, wonderful rocky beach as well. Um, we've been doing our best, favourite, impactful sporting moments. A very moving one at the start of the show. If you didn't hear it, you can go into the podcast and listen to our tribute of Shane Warne. That was number eight. We are now arrived at number seven. We'll do six, five, four, three, two, one, two, one on Friday, four, three Thursday, and so on and so on. We've got number seven now of the biggest sporting moments of 2022. The biggest sporting moments of 2022. Number seven. His nickname is Superman, and he's the son of a former Kiwi League international. In 2015, a young Paul Cole made his way into the top 50 in the world for the first time. The journey had just begun. In 2017, Paul Cole became only the fourth New Zealander to reach the top 10 in the men's rankings on the World Squash Tour, but this was just the start. In 2018, it saw Superman pick up the silver medal at the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games. 2019, he added the French Open. So championship ball here for Superman, looking more like Sinbad. Oh, out of court, it was out of court. Well, John Mazzarella feels it is, Paul Cole. Then in 2021, he became the first New Zealander to win the British Open for men. Good line, it's a good line. At the Windy City Open in Chicago, Cole entered his first tournament as world number one and duly won a marathon five-game match in the final to reinforce his number one spot. Oh, he's made the error! He's made the error! Paul collapses to the ground. Very, very emotional. It's going to be tired as well. In Birmingham at this year's Commonwealth Games, he won singles gold and then partnered with Joel King for gold in the mixed double. Two golds, Paul Cole, Yu Chen. He would go on to repeat his British Open victory this year in 2022 to cement himself at the top of the world rankings. It's ironic that it's on that side ball, tight ball, to win the championship. 
The accuracy superb from Paul Cole. He's gone through this event. He's won. Three love hasn't dropped a game in any round to win one of the biggest majors on the PSA World Tour, the biggest major outside the World Championships, the most historic event here at the British Open. Second British Open in the space of 10 months with Paul Cole. Paul Superman Cole has earned his place at the top of the world with graft, reinvention and sweat. This is probably best summed up by one of his biggest rivals, Mohammed El Shabagi. You know, Ali and myself were, were very good juniors. We came up through the juniors. We, trans, we had a good transition into seniors. Um, but Paul, like, wasn't a very good junior, you know, so he had to work extra hard, you know, to, to do that in his 20s, which is a very inspiring story. I think his story is much more inspiring to be fair to uh, what we did, you know, uh, because we had people that showed us the way. He, he had to travel overseas, be away from home, and do all the things that are very hard mentally to do. So there it is, Paul Cole reaching number seven in our biggest sporting moments of the year. World number one, Paul Cole, you are a Superman. Still call me Superman if I'm alive and well. Oh, one of our super, super men of sport, Paul Cole. What an absolute dead set champion and a tremendous bloke too. He's been into the studios here a couple of times. A lot smaller than I expected, actually. He's a, he's a, he's a hustle, bustle, ball of muscle, Paul Cole, Superman. He is our number seven on our biggest sporting moments, getting to number one. What an achievement. What an absolute achievement. All right, we are going to have a break. On the other side, you're going to want to hear from this woman. She's over 70. No offence. I know you don't say woman's age, but I'm saying it because uh, it was actually in print not long ago that she's 71. But what she is doing for a woman of that age amazes me. She started competing when she's 40. She's done 10 coast-to-coasts. She's a multiple world champion. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Her name is Sharon Prutton, and she joins the show after this. I've said it once, and I'll say it again. The Crusaders are my second team. I promise you Cyclops is listening in Christchurch on 1268. Well, we've spoken to world champions on this show right through the year, but I don't know that we've spoken to someone with so many world titles as our next guest. Sharon Prutton is our next guest, Sharon, multiple world champion. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, no, you're welcome. How many world titles have you won? Did I read 13? Well, there's um, counting the five one day, which used to be called the world championship, the coast-to-coast one day, used to 13. Unbelievable. Now, you were late to elite performance, let's put it that way. How long How long ago and what stage in life were you when you started to go to these big events? Oh, probably um, I used to do the local ones, the New Zealand ones probably in my 40s, probably 50s when I started going to Xterra which is in, um, in the Hawaii, in Maui. Yeah, now the Xterra wheel champs, correct me if I'm wrong, that's swimming, mountain biking and trail running. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you, you, you didn't think about taking up like race walking or something a little bit more simple. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I always like to do it the hard way. <laughs> and I, I hear your son's your coach. Yes, yes, Marcus. He's um, got his own 
PT system training. And yes, he's been a great help to me over the years. He's uh, also loves triathlon and running and cycling probably is one of his main things. Yeah, do you get like, um, as you say, you were late to embarking on world championships and things, and I'm seeing triathlon, I'm seeing Xterra, I'm seeing time trial, road cycling, road racing, coast to coast. Do you get bored with each discipline and just keep it fresh? Yeah, I think I'd probably do each one for about 10 years, and then I look for something different. Um, probably have never really been a, a swimmer as such. I did it in Xterra, but I didn't, hadn't done much. So I think that's why triathlon came up because um, I've just got a group of friends and we've just been concentrating on our swimming. So that's why um, triathlon came up. I've always biked and run, so <laughs> it was just the swimming that was going to be the, the hard bit. But um, no, I'm enjoying it now, especially the open water swimming. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and this year you won, I think, two titles, World Age Group Triathlon winner uh, in the UAE, I think it was. Yes, in Abu Dhabi. What was that yeah. like, racing at somewhere like that? Oh, it was amazing. Um, we, a friend and I really decided to go because we'd never been to Abu Dhabi or Dubai and uh, it just sounded such a different place. And it was yeah, a great experience. We went with the, the New Zealand team and met lots of nice people. And it was fairly warm, but it was a dry heat, so it wasn't 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 too bad. So no, it was a great experience. What I enjoyed it. What What inspires you? What What keeps you driven to compete in all these different disciplines all over the world? What What is your inspiration? I think it's the places you go to. Um, even with the mountain biking events, I've done a lot of them over the, you know, Australia and the States. I think it's just a, I get really excited about hearing about a place. And, um, yeah, I just sort of think, oh, that'll be a neat place to go to and do an event. <laughs> I think that's more. I mean, I do love, I do love competition and I do love, um, doing something every day. So the training is it, not a problem. But yeah, I think just going to new places and, you know, seeing the world really. So tell us about, like I know you do a lot of different types of events, so your your training will differ depending whatever you're preparing for, but what does a, what does an average week look like for Sharon Prutton? Well, for leading up to the Abu Dhabi World Champs, I would probably swim twice a week. I probably should have swum three, but it was usually, you know, twice, perhaps at the most three. Um, I would ride my bike three times that's a two twice with on the time trial bike and do flatter shorter ones and then another endurance ride on the weekend and then probably three runs of um yeah between around 10k but perhaps some shorter ones for speed work i just followed whatever mark put on my program actually <laughs> geez i bet you sleep well sharon <laughs> I do. Yes, I have. I do. <laughs> what What about What about um, your nutrition and and your diet and things like that? Do you have to um, quite sort of regulate that or keep a close eye on it? Oh, I, yeah. I try to be fairly a healthy eater. I'm probably more of a plant based um, vegetarian eater. Um, yes, you've got to. Um, yeah, you've got you can't eat too much rubbish. 
<laughs> yeah, I get that. And injuries. Um, <clears throat> as the body gets older, we get, and I'm with you, I've got a munted shoulder at the moment, um, and yeah. it takes longer to repair injuries, etc. Have, oh, ha- have you had any challenges injury-wise? Mostly with running. Um, I got a, a glute injury, which you know put me up for about six weeks. But a bit of acupuncture and a bit of stretching and yoga, um, it it came right eventually. But yes, it definitely does. Um, it does affect you more as you get older. The swimming doesn't seem to be too bad. You don't get too many injuries from that. Um, but I think it's more the running. The cycling's pretty good unless you fall off. <laughs> so if, if, <laughs> no, if luckily I haven't done. Um, but no, it's, it's more the running. I think it's just a bit harder on your body. So you got to keep up the stretching and. Yoga, if you can get to, if you can, if you enjoy it. So, if you're not training for an event, which of all of these disciplines that you do do you enjoy mm-hmm. the most? You'd just go and do for a bit of fun. Well, I've, I've sort of learned to enjoy them all. I used to be a runner for ten years. I, that's all I did in my probably forties. I used to love running, thirties and forties. Um, then I, when I got into cycling, I actually really enjoy mountain biking. I did a lot of that for a few years. Um, I I do enjoy the swimming, but I have to, we've just been over to, into the sea this morning. I enjoy it once I get there, but sometimes putting a wetsuit on, and it's a lot more, um, a bit more preparation than just getting on your bike. Because I've got lots of tracks around where I live, so I, I do love the mountain biking. Have you got um, a- so probably um, oh, probably biking, then running, then swimming. So uh, I'm guessing that you're swimming and biking and running with like-minded people, like-minded um, stages in life as well. Is that what you're finding? Oh, definitely, yes, yes. I've got a, I'm very lucky. I've got a great bunch of people to do everything with, really, um, especially the swimming. I've, I've, yes, I've got a group that we're all similar ability we're not fast like a lot of them um a lot of the friends so we've just trained together and and have all got to improved and, and really like it so um it's the same with running and cycling yes i've um i belong to running clubs and time trial clubs and you definitely got to train with people it makes it much more fun now i can I'm trying to picture here you in a race and it's close because you seem a very nice-natured woman. Um, do, <laughs> do you get the competitive bug? Do you get your your grit on when it's race time and you're chasing a time or you're chasing an opponent? Oh, I, yes, I'm sure I do. I, I think you've, um, you've got to have some competitive – you've got to have a competitive nature to even want to compete. Uh, so yes, I, I I am competitive. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So what what's coming up for the competitive Sharon Pratt, and what's what does twenty twenty three look like for you and beyond? Um, I'm sort of still trying to sort it out, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did a triathlon on Sunday just to keep, just to keep the, um keeping the keep doing it, but um, yeah, I don't really know. I, I guess another. Triathlon World Champs be fun. It's in um, Spain this year, I think, next year. Um, yeah, I'll just keep, um, yes, I'll, I'll get something in mind. Definitely, I sort of like to have smaller 
goals and then I like to have a bigger one. So, yeah, maybe another road road champ. So I just kind of enjoyed the time trialling again as well. So, yeah, it depends how much, um, yeah, how much it's on my visa, really. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's fair enough. Now, you'll have to excuse me for saying, but... You're just so flippant about your achievement and what you're actually doing um, in, in, in your age group. It, it is quite phenomenal. Ten times coast to coast, world championships all over the world. And it sounds like you're just flitting off for a little bit of a fun and you just walk away with gold medals and rainbow jerseys. Um, so what, what's the message for, for people out there? Because as you say, you started seriously sort of in your 50s. There'll be 50-year-olds that they battle to do the gardening in the weekend. Give, a, give, give us a rocket up our backside, Sharon. Tell us what we should be doing. Well, I think you've just got to get out there and do it and um – yeah, find something that you enjoy, and yeah, don't worry about the age. It's, it's only a number, isn't it? It is. Just, uh, just get out and do things you enjoy. Sound and sage advice, Sharon. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to following following your journey. Like I just couldn't believe when I started riding down Ice Dunk Coast to Cape. Won it six times, been in it ten times, world champ <laughs> on the road, Xterra world champ, world age group triathlon. I'm just trying to think. Um, have you thought about waka armor or canoeing or yachting? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I live near the beach. Perhaps I could take up surfing. There you go. There you go. <laughs> World Masters Surfing Champion. Look out. Hey, Sharon, it's been an absolute delight to chat to you today. You're incredibly inspirational. And as I say, I just really like your laissez-faire attitude, like I'll train, I'll compete, and I'll win, and I'll go home, and then I'll go to Spain, <laughs> and then I'll go to America. That is the way to live your life, Sharon. Yes, and I've got, I've got the, the seven grandchildren and the mates all that, so. <laughs> well, I'm sure they're, they're, pretty, they're, they're a pretty important part of my life, so yeah. um, hopefully I've been a good influence on them. Yes, you're setting an amazing <laughs> example for all of us, Sharon. I, I really thank you for chatting to us today. Oh, thanks very much. No, it's lovely chatting to you too. Yes, December 13, 1986, the Australian Rugby League team, Kangaroos. A nine-week tour of England and France, they did it undefeated. 52-0 thrashing of France in Carcassonne. Kangaroos had earlier beaten Great Britain in three tests, comfortably in Manchester, Leeds and Wigan. In the year 2000, John Stockton of the Utah Jazz collected his 14,000th career assist. Stockton with a ball, front court left. He looks to Carl Malone. He's got him low. The mailman jumps it. Shot up. It's it. He did it. He did it. John Stockton to Carl Malone. John Stockton with 11 assists. They're on their feet. A new NBA Hmm, beat Magic Johnson. It was always made me laugh that Carl Malone was name, known as the mailman because he always delivers. But John Stockton delivered it to him first. John Stockton's the real mailman. Carl Malone's the courier. Right? Uh, 2007. Australian surfer Steph Gilmore, one of the greats, she became the first in history to win the world title in her rookie year, first year on tour. Uh, competing at the season-ending Billabong Pro at Honolulu Bay on Maui, 
She was locked in a three-way battle for the World Crown with uh, Peru Sofia Milanovic and Brazilian Silvana Lima, but Gilmore's two title rivals said, no, we can't beat you, and Steph Gilmore won the title. Birthday today, born in 1913, one of the greatest, uh, longest careers in boxing was Archie Moore. Sadly, passed away. Uh, he would have been 109 now. I think he died in his mid-80s. Um, one of the greatest light heavyweight champions of all time. Uh, born in 1923, had he still been alive, would have been 99, Larry Doby, Baseball Hall of Fame outfielder. 69 years old today, Bob Gainey. He's a Canadian Hockey Hall of Fame forward. 45 years old today, an Irish rugby halfback of yesteryear, Peter Stringer. And turning 34 today, Mr. Puma, Ricky Fowler, the American golfer. Number one movie on this day, December 13, 1990. The movie was Home Alone. It was number one at the box office, Christmas movie. And on December 13, 1984, this was number one song. like a lip sync battle on this day Hall and Oates geez, they, they belted out number one after number one after number one didn't they uh, decision time for our Tuesday draft of best beaches in the country Graham said hey staff I think that means staff first Captain K for the beaches been to all of Captain K's and I can't believe Sam hadn't heard of Okura Beach it's just up the road from Marapuri Cheers, Graham from Marlborough, formerly a Northland. So, Graham, I picked a Northland beach and a um, top of the South beach. I've got you covered, champion. Kaiteri, Teri. Um, so, votes are in, Captain K. Tell me the damage. I told you this in the break, and you said, no, we need to tell everyone now, because you've won in a landslide, Steffi. You, you have won in a landslide. I got one uh, first-place vote, which <laughs> means I'm cemented in second, and unfortunately, listening back at home, Sammy Hewitt and uh, did 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 last. I actually think it was his aversion to black sand beaches and a sensitive wee totos. I think so. His little toeies. Yeah, <laughs> because there was one here. Uh, did I read it out before? No. Um, um, gosh, where is it? I can't find it. A couple of favourites of mine. I'll read these <clears throat> quickly. Ruakaka Beach after a day at the races and Patea Beach and Back Beach in New Plymouth. Where's Back Beach? That sounds fascinating. Don't know New Plymouth beaches very well. I'd like to. Caroline Bay. It takes a lot of beating, but it's contaminated for you, Steph, just because of Neil Diamond. I hear you. <clears throat> very good, PJ. Speaking of beaches, why was the sand wet? Because the seaweed, Rory. No show complete without Rory. Openaki Beach. Absolutely a gem on the west coast of the North Island. Trent, I have been to Openaki Beach. I do like it. Went surfing at Openaki Beach. Uh, kia ora, Staffy. I'll be back in New Zealand in February to see the old man, so I'm going to be taking all the kids to Mata, Mata, Pui. It's probably Matapuri for the first time. Cheers, bro. Grant Melbourne, enjoy your trip back to Aotearoa. 
Graham from Melbourne. Uh, Ken couldn't pick a good beach any better than he can pick an All Blacks team. Kenny. Ken. People's favourite. Uh, a big shout out to Michael Holdsworth. He went to the Special Olympics National Summer Games in Hamilton. Competing for Wellington, he got two gold medals and two silver medals in swimming. There you go. Congratulations, Michael. Outstanding effort. Uh, I looked up Le Bon's, Le, Le Bon's Bay Beach, just out from Akaroa. It looks amazing. You're lucky to be working there, Jared. Oh, here it is. Sam's a cat. West Coast black sand beaches is where the hardened folk live. Back Beach in New Plymouth is beautiful and rugged. For the Golden Sands, I'd back Tata Beach in the Golden Bay. We're going across to Australia. We're going to talk to King O, Julian King. I'm just watching him. He hasn't even got his headphones on, so I think they went to ads late because we're supposed to be there now, and he hasn't even got his headphones on. So do you reckon they went to the ads late? He is there now. No, he's not there now. I'll break. Sorry, Kingo. Are you there in Australia? Now, here we go. <laughs> We've got him loud and clear. I've got a little text message saying they might be about 15 seconds behind. Is it two hours in front and 15 seconds behind? Do you know what I did wrong? What'd you do? Like, I know our crosses at exactly 3.45. Yes. And in my head, I was taking us up to 3.40, thinking that was a cross, but that was the ad break. So I kept talking, going, Julian, where are you? Julian, Julian. <laughs> and Captain K, my producer, said, uh, you've got to go to an ad break first. So that was the 15 seconds. Go completely my cocker. I'm having a lot of fun on the program today because um, Coach K mentioned Dyson Daniels. He's an Australian NBA basketball. And it got me thinking about alliterative Sports name. So I'm trying to piece together an alliterative rugby league team and an alliterative cricket 11. Now, Jace, who rings us regularly on the open line, he's a proud Kiwi staffy. Mm. So naturally he goes, I'll give you Chris Cairns, Andre Adams, and Scott Styrus. Oh, I see. That occurred to me. So you see what I'm doing here? Yeah, I do. It occurred to me, I don't think I've had any rugby nominations yet. So the first one that jumped to my head was Christian Cullen. It'd be pretty hard to go past him. Mm. In terms of, of sheer quality. Well, it, to, to me, best rugby player ever, still. still Cullen. Christian Cullen, yep. Okay. Um, good trotter too. Very good trotter and very good <laughs> sire. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that's more important almost, isn't it? Yes. Oh, he's got yeah. four kids too, Cully. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, what? Well, no, so you need a Christian name. So I was going to say Zinzan, but his surname was Brock. No, that's um, right. So we can't right. go with that. Jeez, you've put me on. The, a little text so, message about five minutes ago could have been quite good. Oh, yes. Yeah, good one, Kay. Good. But the joys of live radio, just, I thought I'd hit you unprompted. But, you know, you think about Andre Agassi, Boris Becker and in the tennis, David Duval in the golf, and there's plenty in rugby league. So I'm, I'm in the process, Staffy, of putting together my alliterative rugby league team. I can tell you I've got the great Clive Churchill at fullback, Mal Meninga, so there's a few. Oh, just yes. To, just to get, yeah, Luke Lewis, of course, some really good names. And if I think of any Kiwis, I'll get a couple in. But my cricket team, Chris Cairns, will be my all-rounder. You'll Has, be to, be. To, Has he, to be. Just a game-changer, wasn't he? And um, had a real health scare not too long ago. Julian. How's he tracking, by the way? Have you, I haven't read the latest. Um, um, I think it's a long road to recovery. Last time yeah. I saw a picture of him, he was still in a chair, um, but he has high hopes of getting back up on his feet. Yeah, I saw some, I'm sure I saw some pictures of, of Kenzie sort of doing some rehab in, in a swimming pool as well. Um, you know, hopefully, he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful cricketer, as was his dad, you know, big hitter on mm. the cricket ball. Now, Wellington Phoenix, uh, this has been big news over here about this decision to stage the next three A-League Grand Finals in Sydney. In Sydney. Wellington Phoenix have said, look, we don't like it. Our preference is that the Grand Finals are played at the city of the highest-ranked qualifier, as has been the case. But 
on the flip side, we understand the financial pressures in the A-League and the funding model might work in, in the short term. So we'll do our best to make sure our fans who want to attend are given every opportunity too. If Wellington Phoenix were the top-ranked side, normally you'd have the right to host the grand final. How would you feel about having to fly to Sydney to watch them play in neutral territory? Not happy. Not happy because, my God, I mean, the Phoenix have battled hard and long and um, all that time they spent in Australia, they've probably spent four seasons worth in Australia than the last two with the, with the COVID situation living over there. But if we were to make a, a GF as top qualifier, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, someone better come to the party to subsidise some airfares. Yes. Go on, Jacinda. <laughs> Free airfares to all the members. You know, we'll reserve the Southern Bay at, at Hullyhound Stadium, if need be. Yeah, so, oh, oh, look, I understand. They reckon it's north of $15 million. That's the amount of money that they're wow. going to get by agreeing to this deal with Destinations New South Wales. But, you know, the thing about it is, is that you know, rugby league grew out of a New South Wales competition. The AFL grew out of a Melbourne competition, which is why they stage the grand finals in those respective cities every year. The A-League's not like that. It's been hosted in every major city in its almost two decades, with the exception of, of Wellington. And now, you imagine like Melbourne City, Melbourne Victory, they'd pack out Amy Stadium in Melbourne all of a sudden, I oh know we just got up and fly to Sydney. It doesn't make sense to me, even though there's money on the table. Yeah, like the commercialism of sport, these, I mean, 15 million? God, you just can't walk away from that. Um, so, I get it. Yeah, I, I get it. It's it's a bit sour, but I do get it because, boy, there's been some financial harpoons in the last couple of years, Kingo. What about Eddie Jones? Uh, England punted him, which surprised me. I thought they would have given him to the World Cup, given how close it is. And he seems to be a guy, doesn't he, that, that peaks in the World Cup cycle. He, he rubs people up the wrong way. He's, it's sort of his way or the highway, where do you reckon he's going to end up? At, look, I mean, from a, a, a rugby-mad perspective, do you see him returning to Australia? I think if he wants to, he will. Uh, I think Australia will want him back. I think the IP that he has around Northern Hemisphere rugby is incredibly valuable, nine months out from the oh, World yeah. Cup. Um, he could probably make more money. Uh, he could definitely make more money in Japan, in the US, probably anywhere else. Uh, Australian rugby don't have much coin at all. I can't see him sitting in the coach's box next to Dave Rennie, but I can see him in some sort of consultant role as well. But, yeah, I would say Australia will make him an offer of some sort. I don't know what shape or form it will take him in, but um, I still think he's a good coach, and he's a campaign coach. He's not a year-in, year-out type of coach. He's a campaign coach, and you're right. uh, The World Cup's a campaign. Got a really good text from Tony on the text line. Murray Maxted. Perfect. There a, you go. A regular guest. We've got some too. Bowden Barrett. Bowden Barrett. Cooper Cronk. Yes, I've got Cooper. He's my starting halfback, Cooper Cronk. Is he really? Yeah, has to be. Has to be. Um, what What about Davey Dum Dum? Who? <laughs> Dave Warner. <laughs> <laughs> Can you leave? Can everyone leave David Warner alone? No, the man has suffered enough. We can't. I was talking to Matty White. Matty yes. White. Uh, the other day, and I said, "Are there any sympathisers at all for Davy Warner over in Australia?" And he said, "There's a quite heap. a few." Well, he said, "There's a few." There are but some, yeah, but like there are some. But on the text line, every time it comes up, I, it'd be fifty-fifty at best. Mm. If, if I, I took to the say, streets yeah. in New Zealand to go and mm. search for um, someone that like David Warner, I'd still be walking next Christmas. Yeah, 
But do you think that also has to do with the fact that he's Australian and has any chance to kick an Aussie while he's down? Oh, look, it's a backward step in the first place if you're Australian. But you can take forward steps. In fact, we... Hey, th- that's all we've got time for today. <laughs> Thank you. We love Nathan Lyon. How could you not like Nathan Lyon? We love Nathan, Nathan Lyon. Lyon. So Steve O'Keefe, who, who works with us here, he goes, Nathan's the sort of guy that would have a beer with anyone at the yep. pub. It's the sort of bloke he is. Absolutely bloke. brilliant. Yeah, Absolutely cool. brilliant. King all o- right, mate. have a great Christmas, any- buddy. And you too, my friend. All the best there. Oh, just like that, they cut him off. Or was that you cut him off? They cut us off. You cut us off. Captain K in control. Fooey, fooey, moy, moy. Oh, boom. There is an absolute... Didn't he fall from grace? With that... Um, was it Twitter? Was it Instagram? And his ex-partner took screenshots of all the messages. Oh, my Lord, that's just taking me back. Was it fooey, fooey, moy, moy? Yeah, it was. Oh, it was George Gregan. Oh, they're coming in. They're coming in. <laughs> All right, we'll have our very last break. Um, Afternoons with Staffy having its very last break. Thank you to Golf. They fuel your mission all year around. Go and play four rounds of golf for cancer to do. Cancer Society, the longest day. Google it. Raise some money for the great team at the Cancer Society. Don't know where that starter came from. Uh, The run home, we're joining you after four, but we'll come back after this. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. All the afternoon delight you'll ever need. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Oh, it's been a fun, fun show today with a little bit of sadness as we reflected with our tribute to Shane Warne, the passing of Shane Warne, which was uh, number eight. It's really no particular order at this end, but everyone can probably guess what our number one will be. But Shane Warne, uh, one of the biggest moments in sporting moments in 2022, along with Paul Cole making number one as well. So much stuff you can catch up with on the podcast tab of our app if you missed it. We had Connor Andrews previewing the semifinals of the World Cup. We had Jamie Tout from the NZCIS um, facility, which will be hosting Sweden for the FIFA Women's World Cup. Kate Heffernan, the Silver Ferns Fan Player of the Year, and Sharon Pruton, Pruton sorry, 71-year-old 13-time world champion. Inspiring stuff. Very inspiring. Thank you to uh, Ben coming in at short notice off the bench. Good shift champion. And Captain Kate keeping it real for us here in studio. And Sammy Hewitt at home as well, editing up Deluxe. He'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow. You'll all be back tomorrow. Dr. Afraz is back. The CBD oil guy in studio. What?